Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is our weekly special Mandalorian open spoiler discussion. In case that wasn't clear, we are going to be talking about Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 8, the season finale, The Rescue, in all full open spoiler terms. So if you have not seen the episode yet, be warned, we're going to talk about it completely, openly, spoilery, all the good stuff. Hello to everybody who's watching live, and uh, I, I know you guys have been waiting to talk about this episode, so have we, and I did say we as in plural, because I'm joined, of course, by what she refers to herself as the better Campia, uh, and Campia is here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And Hi, everyone. Hello. How's your day going? Busy. Oh, busy, but I'm super excited. This is what I've been looking forward to. I, uh, and actually what we do on most Thursday, we stay awake. It, it airs on Thursday at midnight mm -hmm. for us or technically Friday morning, whatever. But so we stay up, but Anne had fallen asleep last night. So I didn't know whether to get her up. I'm just like, honey, do you want to get up to watch this? And she's in bed. She's like, yeah, I'll get up. I'm like, you don't sound like you want to get up. I'll get up. <laughs> she gets up. We went down and watched Mandalorian. Okay, guys. Uh, this is how we are going to do it today. We are going to talk about, Anne and I are first going to talk about our general impressions of the episode, and then we're going to just spend the vast majority of the time just taking your live comments and questions. You guys have been sending in a whole ton of them. And for these special Ooh. videos, you don't use the tip link that's in the uh, description of this video. You use that tip link to send in questions for the John Campus Show. Here on these special videos, you can just use the YouTube Super Chat feature, and a lot of you guys already have, so we're going to spend most of the time taking your comments and questions. But Anne, let's get started with this. Sure. Um, I, I don't often cry watching TV shows or movies, but I came close last night when that X-Wing came on screen, I was instantly, that's Luke. That's Luke. I think it's Luke. I mean, it might not be Luke. Could be Ahsoka, I suppose. No, that's Luke. And then you see the hand with the glove on it. It's like, yeah. oh no, that's Luke. But maybe it's not. They're still not showing his face. Maybe it's a mystery. Maybe the glove's a misdirect, but it's obviously it's Luke. And then you see the green lightsaber. That's when you really... <laughs> jumped yeah. on and said the green lightsaber it's luke it's luke and then he pulled the the face mask back and look i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you right now the the one the one the one thing that was not well done in this episode let's just get the elephant out of the room out of the way right now the one thing that was not done well last night was the cgi in luke's face that looked bad yeah i mean i was talking about to rob about this morning but it's like it was so bad that literally they had a still image of the face and only the lips moving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that looks freaky. That looks so, but, but I didn't care because what was that happening was so awesome. Sure. Um, it was great. I, I mean, I had my big freak out about it this morning, but it was so good. Honey, I've been saying when I was still at AMC, I was saying to people uh, before The Last Jedi came out, I was saying, all I want in this Last Jedi movie is to Luke Skywalker pull out a lightsaber with an entire platoon of stormtroopers yeah. and just wreck fools. Someone listen to you. Oh, I'm convinced John Favreau <laughs> used to watch AMC Movie Talk because I gave a passionate plea to see Luke Skywalker pulling out a, a lightsaber and just wrecking shop with fools. That's all I wanted in the world. And last night we got to see him do it. Now, of course, if it wasn't, I, I'm the only reason they brought in the dark troopers was so 
they could have Luke do that because they wouldn't sure. show Master Luke slaughtering a bunch of human actual beings. people. Yes, agreed. But oh my God, it made me so put so much joy in my heart. I just I couldn't believe it. Anyway, honey, let, let's just get to you. What were your general feelings about the show last night? I, I think two big things resonated with me. I think I feel like I was in the dark and everybody else knew this was going to happen. Because in last week's uh, after show that we we chatted with folks, a lot of people brought this up as a speculation of what could potentially be in this episode. And I, I think I said I was like 0% Luke is going to show up in this episode and proved me wrong. So I was very, very surprised, but also very happy to see all the, the last few minutes of this episode. Um, but the other piece of it, going back to the fact that this is a show about the Mandalorian, is they actually are going to separate Grogu and Din, which we didn't know if they were going to do that or not and potentially kind of end or pause this storyline. Now, who's to say in next season they don't pick up time later and they're reunited, but I was actually very surprised for that to happen as well. And then the other big thing is just the conflict that now is brewing. I think this is more intriguing to me. I love that we saw Luke. I love that we saw Grogu go with Luke. But the biggest thing is this now, what, what I think is going to be the overarching story for next season, which is this now conflict between the Mandalorian clans and the fact that Din now has the Darksaber and Moff Gideon is the reason why there is now this drama now between him and Bo-Katan over this Darksaber. That was another actually problem with this thing is that this whole absolutely stone-clad mythology about the Darksaber, it can only pass by combat. And if she just takes it, she's not truly the ruler. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... The way Bo-Katan got the Dark Saber in the first place, because didn't like Mando was Sabine just saying, gave it to "Here, her. take it." <laughs> How did she get it in the first place? Sabine Wren going, "Here, take it." Yeah. Oh, so we're just pretending that didn't happen. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll put that point. aside. But that made no sense. I understand they were doing it for the drama of the moment mm -hmm. to set up conflict and drama. And Bo-Katan is so honor bound. She's mm -hmm. like, no, I'm not just going to take it. And, th and that's great. It was wonderful in the show, but it did stand completely to contradict the canon yeah. of what uh, was in Rebels. It's just like, oh, here, take it. And Bo-Katan's like, cool. <laughs> I lead Mandalore now. And it's like, great, <laughs> wonderful. It's like, why couldn't that happen? Because they could. Oh, the one other thing. Oh, too. I mentioned this on the show today. When Mandel like knocks all the uh, dark troopers out of the airlock. Yeah. I remember at first I was like, well, that was lame. They spent like episodes building up the dark troopers are coming and they just ended with Mando just blowing them out the airlock. Mm -hmm. But they fix that later on because, well, of course they can fly. They don't <laughs> need air. They just flew right back in and started their whole Terminator uh, jump. So yeah. that, that was good too. And you remember last night we were mentioning, because when Bo-Katan, last time we saw Bo-Katan, Bo she had two yeah. with her. She had Sasha Banks. And the dude. And Duty McDude dude, <laughs> right? So Sasha Banks and Duty McDude dude are, are walking around with her and great, they're, they're a team, they're inseparable. Until this episode, when they just stumble across Bo-Katan. I, <laughs> I said he was on PTO, like he took a day off and happened I, to be I on PTO. I said this morning that, that he just forgot he left the oven on back at Mandalore. He had to leave. <laughs> I, it could have been a, I, I kind of took it as a selective choice of just having the female, the strong females, like kind of lead the way through. Absolutely. You know what? I, this is the way I compared it with Rob this morning. I said, remember in um, Endgame, 
they had the A-Force scene mm-hmm. where all the girls assemble and blah, blah, blah. I think Favreau and maybe even Peyton Reed, which, by the way, Peyton Reed, you glorious son of a bitch, you, making, uh, directing that episode last night. Peyton Reed, the director of Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2, directed that episode last night. Uh, I think, yeah, that was it was clearly a narrative choice. Or is it any tie into what that show was that we were trying to figure out who all the the ragtag characters are going to be? Is it going to be a group of women? I don't know. Well, no, because I think, I, personally, what I think was pretty clear. We're, talk, we're talking about uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Personally, what I think they're doing is they clearly laid out what Mando season three is going to be. Yeah. He goes, Bo-Katan is going to be a regular Mandalorian season three. And they're going to start off the thing of trying to retake Mandalore. That's going to be the new show, and that's great. Um, so I think that was clear. And I thought Rangers of the New Republic was going to be Cara Dune, which it still probably will be. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was going to be Fennec, but she's clearly going to be on the Boba Fett show, which, by the way, the Boba Fett reveal with him sitting on the throne there. It's like, pfft, that was badass. Come on. <laughs> that was so great. That is so great. And. <laughs> So they're going to do the Book of Boba Fett. Now, some, there have been some confusion that they think they thought Book of Boba Fett is replacing Mandalorian. Right. I, I, I think they're doing both. I was Deadline, at least. I was reading Deadline this morning. They were making it pretty clear that there is still there, there's going to be Mandalorian season three and you're going to have Book of Boba Fett. Okay. So that's what they were saying at any rate. So I, I don't see any reason not to believe that. Um, oh, just crazy. Anyway, any more thoughts about last night's episode that stand out to you before we take, take and Gosh, start taking a live questions? there's just a lot. I just, the only other thing I would say is, again, I was just thrown back by the fact that uh, Din actually took his helmet off. So many people last week, I swear to God, all of you predicted all of this to happen, and I said, nah, not gonna happen, and everything you guys said just came true. He took his helmet off, showed Grogu his face. That was also very shocking to me that that scene actually happened. What did we need it to happen? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if it resonated with you uh, the way people thought it would, but I, well, I, here's the if difference, it happened or it didn't, I was okay. People thought, what, what came in last week was that Grogu was going to be uh, distressed yeah. when he came in to save him. And that to calm him down, he would take his helmet off. And I'm like, sure. mm, I know, because all he really knows is his <laughs> mask face. So that would be more calming. But in this situation, you can't see it, but I got a picture of Mando taking his helmet off for Baby Yoda here. In this situation, it was a totally different context. It was clearly Baby Yoda communicated to him, I want to see your face. He reached his hand up, touched him. And... Obviously, the connection, they've really done a lot this season to really show the bond that mm-hmm. Din feels with Grogu. And so he decided to, you know, to quote Vader, look on you with my own eyes. He took off the helmet and I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. I, I thought it was a really beautiful moment that once again drove home. But there is no way that this is the end of Mando and Baby Yoda. It's just not. They, even in the show, Mando's like, I'll see you again. I'll see you again. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> like, your baby Yoda is How going old? to be in Mando season three. I don't need to see a teenager pubescent Grogu. Like, are we going to flash forward to? With, with, like, baby Groot attitude? <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Little, little Grogu. Well, that would have to be, like, a hundred years would have to pass for that. So I don't, I don't think we're in any danger of that happening. But... Uh, so again, of course, and then, and then, and then I didn't mention on the show this morning, 
R2 comes rolling through. Oh, the, oh my gosh, how could I forget that? Yeah, how, of course. How perfect was that? Was I was so expecting baby, baby Yoda to pick up some stick and start hitting him like Yoda <laughs> did, but... Uh, and of course, R2 comes rolling through. Luke was in his X-Wing. No. Wherever Luke's X-Wing is, that's where R2 is. So mm. that was a good moment, getting to see Baby Yoda and R2 so together. Cute. Yeah. There's a poster right there. You got to make a poster out of that, the R2 and Baby Yoda. Okay. <laughs> Guys, uh, normally, Ann and I would go on longer about our particular uh, thoughts on this show, but there are so many questions and, and comments that you guys are sending in that we're going to spend the rest of our day here just getting to the stuff that you guys have sent in talking about this episode of Mandalorian. Let's get to it. Uh, M Mr. T bone 81 writes, how about that dark trooper music techno star Wars? You know, one oh, of the yeah. things that didn't really stand out to me as much as it has in previous episodes this season is the music. The music didn't actually stand oh, out really? to me. Oh, really? It did stand out to me in this did episode. It? Yeah, I was like, oh, it's his name, Lud Ludwig. I was like, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. I could picture him. The guy him who did Black Panther. Yeah. Now that we've watched these behind the scenes and I know what he looks like, I was picturing him in his like organic like music studio going nuts on, on some of the music that was happening in this episode. Yeah, I thought it was, was pretty, pretty good. Okay, next up, we got Craig Stratton who writes, oh my God, Luke, and he was awesome. Oh yeah, he was awesome. This is... Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, there, I have issues with The Last Jedi. I do. I have issues with that movie. But unlike most people, I loved what they did with Luke in that movie. That that, that he's still human. The conflict, the um, uh, the guilt, the turmoil, and seeing Luke last night only reinforced that to me. Because even though that's the Luke I wanted to see in Last Jedi before I saw, I want to see Luke come out being badass and kill everybody. When Luke came in and he was talking to Mando, he was, let's be fair, there was a little smugness to Luke there, mm -hmm. right? He was so confident. Yeah, he was. And so calm. Yeah. And very Jedi-like. Smug, confident, calm. <laughs> very Jedi-like. And to me, seeing that Luke, now imagine that guy, so self-confident, so calm, so assured, failing by having his own, realizing his own nephew was becoming the next Vader, how that would break him. Um, to me, it actually made me appreciate the Luke we've got in The Last Jedi even more. Mm. Um, and, uh, but no, that Luke that we saw last night was superb. Absolutely superb. Wrecking fools, anal probes with lightsabers up the, the rectal cavities of the dark troopers. Mm. Dark troop? Okay. Yes. That's a that's different right. question. Robot a different anal cavities. Day. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got Anthony R. who writes, John, they did it just like you. Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars film. It is my favorite Star Wars film. And Luke is my favorite Jedi. He wrecked fools and we got our wish. I'm telling you, I was watching that scene unfold. And it was just taking me back to memories of when I was on AMC talking about that specifically, that I want to see this happen. And we got it. And it was so heartwarming. You know, it was the flip side of the coin to the Vader scene in Rogue One. Thank you. Yes. Um, I love that scene. Yeah, where Vader's just going through and killing everybody. Yes. Uh, guess what? Junior does it better. <laughs> Only he wasn't doing it to human beings. I was, was going to say, robots. yeah, there's something a little bit more murderous about what Vader was doing. Yes, yeah, lot, lots <laughs> more murder taking children's parents away. Yes, lots lots of that, no doubt. Um, but you're right, Anthony, absolutely right. Next up, Jacob Silvers writes, is Bo-Katan dead after Gideon shot her? No, she was back up on her feet. Remember, she's wearing Beskar too. Yeah. 
Um, some people were writing in actually this morning saying, well, that was stupid. We saw her get shot and then suddenly she's standing there. That was a mixed edit. No, they, in the show, when he was shooting, you heard that ting, 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 mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that was, you know, Bo-Katan's still there and it's going to be part of Mando 3. Of that, I have very, very little doubt. Um, okay, next up, Anthony R. writes, I'm sure your percentage before this episode was low, but what is your over-under that Luke comes back in the Ahsoka show and gives her closure about Anakin? Very small. Mm. If if what we saw in this episode, right. you, you can't have that on screen again. It was fine for a quick moment with Luke standing very still going, yes. I will give my life to protect this <laughs> child, but he wants your permission to go. It reminded me a little bit of um, South Park, the Canadian kids, where <laughs> everything else on their jaws moving but their face. Goes, yeah, you can't do that again. You can't do that I, again. Any, any like, um, stance on like why they wouldn't just put an actor a real live actor in that role? I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think the motivation probably was, let's show them Luke. Of course. Because remember, like, it it was, and I think that was kind of their motivation. Now, you can say in Solo, a Star Wars story, they went and got Alden Ehrenreich. Well, because there was no other option. Like, the Luke we had yesterday, you couldn't do a movie with that. I am here. Yeah. I am Luke Skywalker. I am a Jedi. But similar to Leia, then it's like it's it's just yeah, this, yeah. the, For the a scene moment, can do yeah. It, I think I think if they moved forward and and wanted to do more with with Luke in another series, whether it's in Rangers of the New Republic yeah. or whether it's in Ahsoka or whatever, I, I think at that point then you have to recast. But yes. now they've painted themselves into a corner by saying this is Luke in Mandalorian. It kind of would have been better if they if they wanted to do more with Luke later. They should have had should have an done actor it now. play That's him exactly now. That's exactly what how I felt. And the fact that they decided to not get an actor now makes me think they probably don't have many plans later. Exactly, I had same exact train of thought. Unless, like in you know, Rangers of the New Republic, they have to consult with Jedi Master Luke Skywalker over the telecom. It's like, <laughs> yes, Caradun, I think you should go and arrest him. Like uh, maybe that, but I don't think they have many plans. But you never know. You never know. All right, Anthony R. writes, one and two. I know you always say continuity, schmontinuity, uh, but since Grogu doesn't show up uh, in the Kylo Ren comics when the Jedi Temple is destroyed, do you think Luke had him off planet safe somewhere? Uh, Number two. Uh, Number two, Uh, obviously there is still a 25 year gap between this show and the sequel trilogy and maybe Grogu's fate will be explained in between, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people last night tweeting to me, now I hate Kylo Ren even more because the assumption is Kylo Ren probably killed baby Yoda Mm. when the purge was happening of Luke's temple. But um, and you listen, comics, listen, Sky Lucasfilm has thrown continuity out the window. They have thrown canon out the window. Nothing stays consistent anymore. Uh, They seem to stay consistent with the original trilogy, but books, comic books, all that kind of stuff, I don't trust them anymore when it comes to this and that. They violated canon many times in the books. Even in Mandalorian, they broke canon with the books because um, Cobb, the marshal, what they talked about with the Marshall in episode one of season two was inconsistent. There were some consistencies, but there was also inconsistencies with what they did in the book. So they've just kind of thrown it out. So I wouldn't take baby uh, Yoda being slaughtered in the new Jedi temple off the table, mm. but it is possible. Maybe Luke just decides to return him to his people. 
right. whatever world they live on at some point. Do you have a theory about that at this point yet? No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. I just hope baby Yoda is actually alive in that right. time period. All right, let's move on. Next up, uh, Ben Burnside writes, I very much enjoyed the, the episode. There were some small aspects that I was negative on, but the core elements of the episode were super good. No, I agree. You know, Rob said this morning, he's right. This isn't Shakespeare. <laughs> this isn't Shakespeare. This isn't Breaking Bad. It, it is. It doesn't go, there's not a lot of depth, and that's fine. Uh, every, every TV show episode, every movie is its own thing. And what they did here, they knocked it out of the park. I thought they really did. I thought, come on. It's like, it's like in professional wrestling, though. When Gideon said, okay, fine, you can take the child. There you go. It's kind of like when the one wrestler that you know is bad <laughs> extends his hand to handshake the good guy. And you, come on, he's going to chair shot you as soon as you turn around. It's like... Just like, come on, Mando. He's totally going to attack you as soon as you have your guard down. He's but still, I still reacted to it, though. I yes, was like, oh, did. that asshole. I believed him. Yeah, big jerk. Got me um, every time. So, uh, yeah, and again, the, the Luke face. Um, it, there were a couple of minor things, but overall, yeah. I, and again, legendary, legendary that stormtroopers have no aim. Because in every single fight scene in this movie, they were in a narrow walkway <laughs> and still could not hit their target. I don't know how many scenes there were where everybody's running away down a narrow tunnel with 18 stormtroopers behind them all shooting down the t this narrow little tunnel and nobody got hit. God, and one of the more brutal like uh, slayings of the storm stormtrooper happened yesterday. Which one was that? With um, Din choking the stormtrooper to death oh, with a best guard. <laughs> the whatever javelin yeah thing. with the beskar javelin <laughs> yeah yeah that was kind of brutal the other thing too that i noticed is that you know for a lot of our star wars heroes it's a good thing that stormtroopers are so honorable because when the heroes get the drop oh, on stormtroopers yeah, they just shoot them in the back yeah whenever stormtroopers get the drop on the heroes they don't just shoot them they go Freeze, drop Freeze. your weapon. Drop your weapon. It's like, really? If they were, if they were like the lethal stormtroopers, they get the drop on you and you blast you 17 times in the back and happen again in the yesterday's episode. Stormtroopers get the upper hand. Instead of shooting the heroes, drop your weapons. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks for the extra 10 seconds. Bang. But anyway, it's a good thing stormtroopers are so nice. Okay, uh, next up, we got uh, JSOP4 writes. Is it Tatooine law you need to gain a thousand pounds if you sit on Jabba's throne? <laughs> bib, bib car bloating. I like that. That's Boba the first fat. Thing. I love <laughs> fat. Oh, that's mean. But I remember I I got almost I don't know why. I got almost as giddy seeing Bib Fortuna, because you saw how excited yeah, I got. Yeah, he kept oh saying it. <laughs> it's Bib Fortuna. Yeah, like it's exactly Bib like Fortuna. that. It's really weird. I didn't know there was such a fetish for that. <laughs> I don't know why. I just did Bib Fortuna. I've always loved Bib Fortuna. But yeah, I mean, the years of being in charge and not have to be the work guy anymore. He, he, he's been carb loading for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, uh, he lost his girlish figure. There's no doubt about that. But I got really excited seeing Bib Fortuna, and of course, how he ultimately. He died. Just Bo Boba Fett wasn't having anything. He wasn't in there to negotiate, to talk to anybody. It's just, no. you're in this room, you're dead. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And he's so confident in Fennec. He didn't even have to come down until she cleared the room. 
Fennec just walks down by herself, wipes everybody out. Yeah. They're all gone. And of course, frees the Twilight dancing girl. So, okay, give it to Bib. He, he's still like Jabba's <laughs> Twilight girl dancing fetish. There's, there's still that. All right, next up. Um, see, the last shady Marvel walking rights. Uh, man, so many emotions when Mando took off his helmet for Grogu. Uh, I cried like a baby. It, mm. You know what? That could have been a really stupid, cheesy moment. Oh, I just had to see with my own eyes. The way you can write this on a page, you need a director who really knows what they're doing to take that and make it really work emotionally. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm I I was impressed how actual effect actually effective this moment. Uh, pointing on the screen here to to Din with uh, Baby Yoda. How effective that moment really was. It, cool. it was very emotional. What were you thinking about it when when you were watching it? I, I gave my props to Pedro Pascal in terms of the way yeah. he delivered the lines. He he sounded very choked up. Uh, this was really emotional for him because he knew this was the time for him to let him go. And yeah, I think it played well into the scene. I, I either way though, I I think it would have been satisfying whether he took the helmet or not. I think just the kind of that last moment together. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Aiden Foley who writes, Luke was great, but R2 made me ball and joy. You know what it was? Here's what it was. It was a domino effect. It was a cascading domino effect. Something great happens to get you excited. And when something else great happens after that, it amplifies it. So R2 coming around the corner, coming into the room, I felt as excited as I did realizing Luke had just walked in. Mm -hmm. But obviously Luke makes me more excited. It's just that Luke happened and I'm on a high and being on that high, now adding something to it like R2 and then Bib Fortuna. <laughs> if like if they had just shown Bib Fortuna, I went, I would have gone, hey, Bib Fortuna, cool. But because it happened no after way. Luke wrecked fools and R2 <laughs> comes in there and you know, we realize there do there's a post credit scene and they're at Tatooine. That made me go, Bib Fortuna! <laughs> He's like, lying. Was, he would have still reacted that way. I, I well, maybe, maybe I still, <laughs> maybe I still would have acted that way. Maybe that's true. Okay, next up, Ben Burnside writes: Yoda was training uh, a young Luke to become a Jedi. Now a Jedi Luke is training a young Yoda to become a Jedi. No, so I cute. love that parallel. That that um, uh, symbolism wasn't lost on me. Yeah, and. Maybe it wasn't necessary, but it kind of would have been cool if Luke had said something about the race of Baby Yoda. It's right, like, uh, as I, recognition. I owe it to an old friend. Sure. Something like that. But it's, I don't know, it still worked for me. Yeah, me too. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, uh, that was Ben Burnside. Next up, Murray Reich writes, and sends in $20. Thank you, Murray. Appreciate that, man. Murray writes, man, that moment the Imperial uh, kept intimidating Cara Dune regarding Alderaan destruction. Oh, you knew that fool was going to die. Kept intimidating Cara Dune regarding Alderaan's destruction was intense. Uh, her response, uh, of which one, uh, that makes me also wonder if this guy got off the first Death Star way before the Battle of Yavin. Well, clearly, mm. he wasn't on the Death Star. But you know what? He, he, he raised a valid point that I think we gloss over too much. There's, there's the young adult novel Lost Stars. That is like one of my top best star wars novels ever written yeah so good and they tell the story from both the imperial point the story of the the original three star wars movies from a rebellion point of view and at the same time from an imperial war, uh, point of view and it's something we gloss over a lot in destroying the death stars they killed 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of people to do it. And you know, it's funny because it reminds me, I was watching the finale. I wanted to kind of get caught up and ready for the final episode of Mandalorian. So I watched the final episode again of Rebels. And ultimately, it's a really dark plan in the conclusion of Rebels. Because the conclusion of Rebels is their plan is to send out this code signal that is code for all the Imperials on the planet in Lothal to come into the base. So their plan is to send out that call to bring in thousands, if not tens of thousands, mm -hmm. of Imperials back into the base so they could blow it up and kill them all. Their, their ultimate plan was, let's murder all these people. And it's dark, but it's war. It's rebellion. I get it. But it's, you real realize that when he was talking to Cara Dune, and I, I didn't know that the teardrop thing was a symbol of surviving uh, people from Alderaan. Sure. Carrie Fisher never had one, but uh, survivors of Alderaan. But when he was talking it up, I'm like, fool, she's just going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, she did. Although we never really saw the doctor again after that. Anyway, when that scene was going on, what were you thinking? Yeah, same. It was uncomfortable, though, you know, in the same respect of last week's episode with Bill Burr's character and kind of mm. talking about the history of what he went through. It was uncomfortable, but it's it's really, you know, it, it tells you about, like, the different perspectives of, of what happened. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, uh, Jar of Snokes writes, John, when Luke entered, I remembered your prior comment of how you would react to this scene. Please use this small donation for the cleanup. Yeah, because I remember, Tom, if I see Luke coming out there, I'm going to stand up on my chair in the theater. I'm just going to pull it out and urinate over everybody all over the place. And I'm going to, like, that's how I would have felt. And, man, I'll tell you. As Luke was in there, just kind of wrecking shop, and is just shaking her head at me. <laughs> I don't understand some of these. Like your excitement is shown through like peeing and pooping in well, your pants, like, like you're dogs. a two-year-old or something. What happens, <laughs> what happens when one of our dogs gets really excited? They pee. No, That's... they wag their tail. Oh no! Remember, remember Shadow when we would come home and hadn't seen her for like two weeks, and then pee right away. She lose control of her bladder. That's me. You married me, honey. You married me with all the glory that comes with it. Ah, uh, yes. But no, nothing had to be cleaned up yesterday. <laughs> Anthony R. writes, over under 50%, uh, they do a Han versus Boba Fett. Over under 40%, it's CGI Harrison Ford or the age up Alden Ehrenreich. I give that a zero. I, I don't. I, don't, I think they've, they're done with the Han Solo thing. I don't think they're yeah. going to have Han uh, re-engages. Although you never know. Look, listen. While Solo was the first Star Wars movie to lose money and to mm -hmm. fail at the box office, I still thought it was a good movie. Yeah, it was I, fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun space adventure movie. And and even though I said it's a bad idea to make that movie because nobody wants a Han Solo that's not Harrison Ford when we just saw Harrison Ford on the screen in The Force Awakens. And that being said, I thought Alden Ehrenreich did a really admirable job. Mm -hmm. And so... Since we're getting, I think it's more likely we're going to see Alden Ehrenreich pop up in the uh, Lando Calrissian show. Mm. I think it's more likely there. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we could see uh, a Han Solo pop up in uh, <laughs> in the Boba, the book of Boba Fett? I can't do these percentages anymore because I think I'm just not very good at them. I so uh, no, I don't. I'll just. I'll say 0% again because I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> um, okay. We go over now to Craig Stratton who writes, did Kylo kill Grogu? That is one of the options on the table. 
It's possible. There's no redemption for you, Kylo Ren. I mean, it's it's also possible Grogu becomes one of the Knights of Ren, I suppose. What if Grogu turned on Luke, oh too? Oh, God, and he's still small. Would you rather it be oh. that he got killed than find out he went bad? <laughs> Maybe he's just retired. Does he have to be killed? Or, like, or, I don't understand it, in this situation. But, but that's what we were saying earlier, right? Like, it's like... Maybe Luke at some point trains him and realizes it's best if you be among your people and then probably at some point sends him back to whatever Yoda's homeworld is. That was the whole point of Mando is to return him to his people. So Yeah, well, maybe they kind of started replacing that with the Jedi are his people. But I, I think at some point, you know what? I'm guessing Kylo doesn't kill Grogu. I'm guessing at some point Luke sends him back to his homeworld after a little bit of training. Uh, but that's just a get. Well, I'm sure we'll find out later on in Mandalorian season three. All right, Anthony R writes, uh, Luke. Hey, Dad. I had an awesome hallway scene too. Coast Anakin. That's my boy. I mean, yeah. You <laughs> you couldn't help but think about the um, the connection between that, the similarities between that. You know, father and son walking through hallways, just wrecking fools like crazy. Only one was committing actual murder. One was just doing property damage. But still. <laughs> It was awesome. All right, next up, uh, Murray Reich writes, uh, moment Luke shows up and reunites with Grogu, the music score plus their last goodbye made me emotional, plus gave me a tear. I hope we see Grogu again soon. I have, see, that's the thing here. I I really don't have any doubt we're going to see him again. I think the, the reason Favreau specifically had Mando say, I'll see you again, I promise, that was, I don't think he was talking to Grogu. I think he was talking to the audience. I think that was John Favreau talking to the audience, saying, "Don't worry, we know this show is fifty percent Baby Yoda. He'll be back. Maybe not every single episode like he was in the first couple of seasons, but I think he'll be back." What, what do you think the chances are that he'll be back for the next season? Now, uh, that, now that you just said you don't want to do percentages, I'm asking you to give a percentage. <laughs> but what do you think the chances are? I, what I would like to happen is 100% that he's back. Um, what I suspect will happen is we maybe we'll see him once next season and maybe at the end. All right. I mean, that's a possibility too, but I think we will at least see him. We will at least see him. All right. Uh, next up, Murray Reich writes, remember when you said we were missing badass Luke in The Last Jedi killing some fools? Well, they kind of answered us with him killing some dark trooper fools. All I, all I know. And again, I make no apologies for this. I honestly think somewhere at some point years ago, John Favreau was watching an old AMC episode with this Canadian dude ranting about how he would pee all over theater seats if he got to see Luke Skywalker pulling out a lightsaber and just going to town and wrecking a, a, a an entire battalion of stormtroopers because that's exactly what they gave us. And uh, it made my heart smile, Murray. I'm not going to lie. It made my heart smile. The Wakandan Forever writes, Wild, John, when is Lord Vader going to show up? I... I mean, I really don't know that Lord Vader is showing up in anything Mandalorian related. Obviously, we now know he's going to be in um, uh, in the Obi-Wan series. But whether it be flashbacks as Vader, as Anakin, a lot that's not really sure. There's a few things that are implied, like they're going to have another confrontation. But whether that's going to be mentally, I don't know. But uh, we're going to see him again in Obi-Wan, but I don't think in any other show. All right, Murray Reich writes, overall, I thought the episode was very good, although we didn't get to see Marshall again. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that. Also, Bib Fortuna gained so much weight since he became a ruler. Oh, Tell you what, man, you get, shaming him. you get lazy. <laughs> it's like, hey, I don't even have to do anything anymore. I just sit on this chair. Um, yeah, I, I knew because we knew that Ahsoka was only going to be in one episode this season. 
we knew it was very unlikely that she was going to show up at the end here. But I am surprised that Marshall didn't show up, that Cobb didn't show up. I guess it would have been pretty far out of the way. He would have had to have gone back to Tatooine to get him and all that kind of stuff. I, I suppose that makes sense. But I was really expecting the full team. But we had Fennec. We had Boba. We, we had Bo-Katan uh, and Sasha Banks minus Duty McDude dude uh, who was off turning off his stove. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that we didn't get Cobb. I, I really was. This would have been great for him to be in. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if Cobb's going to be in that Boba Fett series because it's on Tatooine. Right. I mean, maybe. So, I mean, Cobb had his armor for a long time, but I don't know if he was mad at Cobb for that. I mean, he, he just got oh it my off gosh. the... If the whole series is just them passing the armor back and forth. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, okay. Next up, we got Ben Burnside writes, one or two. I love the way that Boba was used this whole season. My favorite scene in this episode was honestly the back and forth between Boba and uh, and the uh, 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 Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks. Um, where are we at? Ben Burnside. Where's two of two? Uh, sorry, Ben. Oh, there's two of two. Like a half hour later, he wrote in. I wasn't a fan of Banks getting uh, offense on him, but I can't complain as Boba as a Boba fan because Bo didn't get the dark saber while Fett got a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is. Who got the better end of that deal? Obviously, Boba Fett. And by the way, I have no problem that they decided that she. Like, remember, Sasha Banks's character is a military, a companion of Bo Katan, trained. Mandalorian. She's a true Mandalorian. So the fact that in a fight she got in her shots on uh, Boba Fett too, I have no problem with that. I also have no I, no problem with the idea that had that fight just been allowed to continue, we'd probably end up with the dead Sasha Banks. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she got in some shots, she's a trained lethal Mandalorian. Sure. Of course she got in some shots. And Boba Fett's been in a Sarlacc belly for a while. <laughs> That's true. So he's not exactly you know sharp right now. Although somebody sent me this great meme. Because if you remember, again, this is another way they just kind of shot Cannon to hell. Boba Fett is technically way younger than Bo-Katan. Yeah. <laughs> like uh -huh. way younger uh -huh. than Bo-Katan. The years have not been kind to Boba Fett. <laughs> and then you look at Bo-Katan and how, how she looks. But anyway, there's uh. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we at here? Uh, Brian Esparza writes, I was annoyed that Boba left almost immediately, but it makes sense. Can you imagine the awkwardness if he and Luke were in the room, in the same oh. room together? Oh, that's true. But I mean, remember, his part of it was he had to make he had to set it up and make it look right. He had to take on those TIE fighters, get them on the ship, and he had to split to make it look good. Now, clearly, he came back mm -hmm. because he had to get Fennec. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, I won't lie. It did kind of strike me that while all this fighting was going on, on on the ship, boy, sure would be good to have John Wick, to have space John Wick in here. During yeah. This. Like, and I kind of suspected that maybe he was pop up. I don't know. Did you kind of think maybe at some point Boba Fett would pop up in there as well? Yeah, of course I did. And I was, again, I don't know if that was just by choice in terms of just making sure it was like an all-female crew that got him through it. Yeah, that's right. I thought there was a possibility too when they were trapped on the bridge and the dark troopers are about to come in. I thought, okay, this is either where... Which whatever Jedi character it is is going to show up, mm -hmm. or Boba Fett shows up, sure, with something that can manage or deal with 
maybe it's uh, like an, a mini ion cannon that fries him or something like that. So I thought that was a possibility, but we didn't see him again for the rest of the episode until the post credit scene. All right, James LH writes, Hey, John. When Mando is getting pounded in the face, then fights one-on-one with the spear, at least he won. Uh, this unlike uh, his character in Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. never even thought about that. He was getting pounded in the face again. And then his eyes ripped out. I know. That, it, like, if they had had the Dark Trooper put his hand on his head and then start oh. to gouge out his eyes, I would have gone, okay. That's funny. <laughs> Oberon all over again. <laughs> and this time, don't don't take a victory lap. He didn't take a victory lap like Oberon did <laughs> until the fight was done. Until he had that Dark Trooper's head ripped off. That's, that's pretty funny, though. That's when you take the victory that. lap. I didn't even think about that. No. That's, a, that's a great thing to bring up, James. All right, next up. Um, Ryan Loner writes, as I recall, Bo-Katan was perfectly willing to let Sabine just give her the dark saber. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, were all the other Mandalorians there. Yeah. I, anyway, let's keep going. Ryan uh, also writes. So if they're going to make this a rule now, isn't Sabine still the rightful owner? Uh, no one ever defeated her for it. I mean, that's the other thing. Not only in rebels was she like, here, have it. Okay, look, everybody had the Darksaber and everybody else. All the other Mandalorians like, cool, you have the Darksaber now. Why is it now suddenly an issue? I don't know. Like, like, did they come across it somewhere in somebody's diary? Oh, the Darksaber has to be one in a fight. Hey, Sabine, can you come back to Mandalore? I got to beat you up and take, I mean, inconsistencies, but yeah, whatever. That's we'll, a bad one. We'll let it slide for now. <laughs> we'll let it slide for now. All right, uh, James Argenta writes, if Boba and Mando both come out next December, over under 65%, we get a tradition crossover with part one being on Boba and part two on being on Mando. Well, here's the thing. When when it the news first came out that they were going to do a standalone Boba Fett series, remember we talked about it on the John Campy Show a couple weeks ago. Remember, we, we found out about this and we said they're going to actually start shooting it next week. This is weeks ago. They're already shooting the Boba Fett series. It's already being shot as we speak. But one of the clear things in the report, and I believe it came out of deadline, was that this is a one-shot limited series. It's a limited series. They're going to have one season of it and then move on. What we do know is that those other shows, Rangers of the New Republic and uh, the Ahsoka Tano show and Mandalorian, are going to have crossover elements. They're going to have shared story elements. We know that because they already they said that during the Disney announcements. So that's all there. I don't I don't know that we're going to see Mando in the in the Boba Fett series. I think there's a reason they're calling it the Book of Boba Fett. And they're just going to move on. I don't know. And what do you think the chances are here that we see um like Mando pop up or being a crossover story with Boba Fett in some way here? Maybe not. I don't know. That's that's hard to say. I I it would be great, but I don't really think it's necessary. Um especially in the first season. I hope they just focus it on Boba Fett. All right. Uh, next up, um, Andra, uh, Andres Sam Anigo writes, uh, is the book of Boba Fett a new show or is it a subtitle of season three? Seems to me Din's story is complete now unless we go to win back Mandalore. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it They set up. Remember, one of the things I said leading into this series or leading into the finale is what they need to do is not end this thing on a cliffhanger. Like, dun, dun, dun. Oh, the back of some Jedi's head, but we don't know who it is. Come back next season. I said, you got to do what Supernatural does. Wrap up the story 
and then open the door for what the next chapter of the story is. That's what they did with Supernatural every single year. It was very, very effective. And that's exactly what they did with the, this finale. They brought this, this, this particular chapter to a close, and then they opened the door for the next chapter. He's now going to go with Bo-Katan. They're now going to go back and try to retake Mandalore. It is truly going to be a Mandalorian series. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, book, from everything that I'm seeing in the, um, in the trades, it, I know it seemed a little confusing at first, and who knows, maybe we'll find out differently later, but it does seem like, no, 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 Book of Boba Fett is a separate thing from Mandalorian Season 3. They are both happening. Uh, from what I can tell, unless we hear differently from from uh, Kathy Kennedy at some point. All right, next up, uh, Ryan Loner writes, uh, just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. And that's exactly what went through my head as well when he was taking off the helmet to look at little baby Groot, Ryan. Absolutely. Baby Groot. All right, baby, oh, baby Groot. Baby Yoda. <laughs> All right, next up, Luis writes, the tears definitely flowed when Din and baby Yoda had to separate. Yeah, but it, it was a happy thing though, right? Like, yeah. And, and Luke said the perfect thing. It's that, look, he will never be safe until he knows how to control his abilities. This is the way mm -hmm. to keep him safe. And I thought that was good. And, and you could tell, and you were giving credit to um, Pedro Pascal for this with the, the acting in his face and in his voice. He knew what he had to do. Mm -hmm. And he let him do it. What were your thoughts as that was kind of unfolding? Yeah, I, it's bittersweet. I think it's one of those things that you knew was going to have to happen. And it's the best thing for this situation. It's, it's the right thing to do. Do you want it to happen? No. But there, it also <laughs> doesn't service either of the characters if they stay together. Like then you're just going away from what the whole purpose of uh, the story has been all along, which is to help Grogu find his way. Yep, I agree. All right, next up, James L.H. writes, John, we see X-Wing. I thought, nah, teasing. Then the security screens, nah, can't be him. Then all black outfit, green lightsaber. I still couldn't accept it, but seeing the one glove hand, and I almost lost it. That's the one when I said to you, honey, well, I was like, yeah. okay, so X-Wing, it's probably Luke. And then you see the one camera angle from behind walk. He's like, maybe it's a little too skinny. I don't know. Sure. Maybe it's somebody else. But as soon as we saw the black leather glove, that's when I was like, that's Luke. <laughs> that's Luke. And his horrible CGI face. <laughs> that's who's coming in. Too much Botox. A little too much Botox there for <laughs> Luke. I am here to take the child. Um, yeah, but you know what? Whatever. I was just so happy it was Luke. It didn't uh, It didn't make it go flaccid. Nope, it was perfectly good. I loved it. It was fabulous. Now I'm just saying things trying to make Anne shake her I head. I know. That's it. One more and I'm leaving. I'm her husband, everybody. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Matsif Jada writes, that pilot in the opening did have a death wish. I mean, like, no kidding. Like, really, you're, you're standing there with a Mandalorian and... And uh, Cara Dune, who's clearly very serious, and you just start mocking her and blah, blah. Although I will say, it was pretty badass that, I mean, in, in a horrible, horrific way, that when the other pilot was like, hey, look, I'm not here to die. Boom. Shot his oh, own buddy in the head. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is somebody who was bought into the cause. Yeah. And he's not He's not going. Yeah. Like, he's not going to get, he would rather die doing his duty clearly than uh, just giving him up. Although... I would have thought he would have just shot the doctor then. 
But I don't know, maybe because the doctor was so important to Moff Gideon, he wouldn't have shot the doctor. I, I don't know. Did you think that was going to turn out any other way than this guy getting shot in the face? No. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed pretty clear. It seemed pretty clear. It was common. All right, next up, Ben Burnside writes, over under 50% that Boba will get another Rancor in Jabba's cage at the palace. I actually think it would be funny if Boba can get a Sarlacc in there. No, I think it was not a Sarlacc. It's a Rancor. Oh, you mean it wouldn't be funny if he could get a Sarlacc in the Rancor cage? I don't think that's size appropriate. I don't think that would work. If anything, you might try to get, but I got the feeling that that uh, trap door over the Rancor pit, I have a feeling that was pretty rusted, not used in a long time. So yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to see anything there. All right, next up, we got uh, uh, Scarcy RS writes, the CGI for look for Luke looked bad in my opinion, but I don't care. Luke freaking Skywalker. I, I was, I'm in the exact same boat. The, the, look, there's no getting wrong. We're not going to pretend just because we love the episode. The CGI in Luke's face was bad. Mm -hmm. Great by 2005 standards, but it looked bad. There, there's no getting around it. We're not going to deny it just because we love the episode. But you put it perfectly. I didn't care. <laughs> it was Luke. And I accepted in the first few seconds, well, this looks really bad. It's not going to add anything to the scene. And then I just accepted it and looked past it. And it was awesome. How distracting was it for you? I mean, because obviously it didn't look great. But my mind just kind of instantly accepted, okay, it looks bad. Fine, it looks bad. Whatever. Now just enjoy the moment. And I was able to make that transition really fast to just enjoy the moment. How was it for you? Uh, you know, it's interesting when you said the CGI is so bad. I thought you were actually talking about the... Uh, Death Troopers? Oh, no, I thought the Death Troopers looked great. Because I actually thought in some instances it didn't look great uh, for that. For that, But Luke was distracting, though. He was distracting, especially after you said it. And I started star really staring at his face. You know, someone's like, don't look at my mole on my face. And then that's all you can. <laughs> that's like all you see the whole time. But yeah, so that's exactly. <laughs> I have to watch it again anyway, because I want to hear the dialogue. I was so distracted by his face yeah it, it's almost like the scene was working better when luke was talking but the camera wasn't on his face it was from different angles <laughs> but I, again for me i was just able to make that transition to yep it looks bad i accept that now i can just enjoy the moment and uh, i was able to do that all right ryan loner writes uh not gonna lie my very first thought when the x-wing showed up was holy crap the kin the kim's convenience guy was a jedi <laughs> the whole time that would have been amazing paul lee shows up um, by the way, Paul Lee wrote me back this morning say, yeah, he, he wants to come on the show. Uh, of course, the star of Kim's convenience. He said, he's, I, I just got to figure out when I can get the time. Cause obviously Kim's convenience starts back up in January. So they're obviously very busy, but yeah, when they actually showed up, I thought there was a part of me that thought like instantly I thought Luke, but then there was a part of me that thought that there was one X-wing. And then the camera might pan outside and then look behind the X-Wing yeah. to see like a squad sure. of a rogue squadron even of X-Wing fighters flying into whatever. I thought that was possible. Maybe Mr. Kim might have been at the, the front of that. Yeah. Would have been cool to see Paul there. All right, Ryan. I, I totally get what you're saying there, man. All right. Next up, Ben Burnside. Um, this is the current time period. Do you think Luke is more powerful Jedi than Ahsoka? Ahsoka has been a Jedi for way longer. Yes, Luke is clearly... Listen, in a lot of the, the, the Star Wars lore, it's Ahsoka is never the most powerful Jedi. Luke has been called, in a lot of the lore stuff at any rate, the most powerful Jedi that ever lived. Uh, Luke is clearly more powerful. One of the things they did with Ahsoka in the previous episodes 
that I thought made it a more enjoyable character for me mm-hmm. was she struggled a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Like when she taking out just some cannon fodder, fodder soldier, she was badass, but struggled a bit. And then she fought like a non Sith lady at the end with the Beskar spear. And it was close. Mm-hmm. And to me, I thought that was great because it, to me, it made the Ahsoka character more enjoyable and more likable. And I like that. This scene to me made it very clear. Luke Skywalker is the biggest badass in the galaxy to the point that even Snoke knows to fear him. Mm. And I think uh, I, I think that was pretty clear. I don't know. What was your interpretation of that when they were playing all this out? The what? The scene where he just do you, killed do you, everything? Do you think they were implying that Ahsoka could be as powerful as Luke or anything like that? Or how did you interpret that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think... No, I, I didn't take that at all. But I, I, it did. To your point, it did show how badass Luke is. I, I always wondered if he would even be able to do that, and I think they proved to it, proved proved it to us. You know, my favorite thing that Luke did wasn't even the wrecking shop with the lightsaber. It was when there was the last dark trooper there, and Luke was just like. Yeah, and just like crunch the thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, 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 I was so happy. Yeah, I was so happy when he was just like destroying these dudes. Well, and was, I look at Din like watching that whole thing happen. Oh, yeah, he struggled with the one. He's I mean, probably like in awe of what the hell was it's going on. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's an important piece of the puzzle of Din. I don't know if Din even knew he was. I knew he was trying to find Jedi form, but I don't know if Din was ready to let let Grogu go. Yeah. I think him watching, I think Mando watching that feed yeah. of Luke ripping all of these dark troopers apart that Mando nearly died fighting one was something that Din had to see to know this kid is in safer hands with you, sir, mm-hmm. than he is with me. You clearly can take care of this child. Yeah. And I think that was important narratively. That And they showed it in his eyes, just the, the way he was watching the monitor yeah. and everything. And the way Baby Yoda was watching the monitor, too. <laughs> that's my friend. We've never met, but that's my friend. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. Um, uh, James L.H. writes, uh, one final one from me. Great episode. The action, the story, the characters. Luke, to me, outdoing Vader and Rogue One. It all comes down to Mando and the child summed up in those final moments between the two. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's, it's not difficult to throw in a bunch of action and fan service. That is not a difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Everyone wants to see Luke Skywalker. Throw in Luke Skywalker. That's easy. Um, show Luke Skywalker... Killing a bunch of robots with a lightsaber. Theoretically, that's actually kind of easy. I always say that action in movies without narrative purpose is just visual noise. Like you look at Transformers 2, 3, or 4, lots of action going on, but none of it had narrative purpose. And so it just becomes a collage of random flashing images and really it's just visual noise. There, What Peyton Reed and John Favreau, what they did was everything, all the action, all the things that were happening on screen had narrative purpose, right? The tension of, oh no, they're doomed, they're trapped in the thing, but now they're saved and that happens. And while that's happening, Yoda gets, or baby Yoda gets to watch him ha- it happening, Din gets to see it all happening. It's all, the action itself progresses the narrative. Sure. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it emotional. 
Otherwise, any unknown Jedi could have stopped in there. Hey, I'm kid with with lightsabers. Swing, 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 and <laughs> take your parts from robots. Okay, great. But this made it emotional, and, and it gave it impact, and it made it more than just some Michael Bay and I'm not a Michael Bay hater, by the way. I actually appreciate Michael Bay. But it made it more than just some random Michael Bay uh, action scene. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. How did it work for you on that? Like, obviously, the action was great. But how did it work for you on an emotional level when all that stuff was going on? Like, all the last last parts of the scene with... Yeah. Oh, it's, it was so overload for me, to be honest. And that's why I keep saying I need to watch it again. Because that often happens where you just overload me with either emotional like things happening up on top of the visuals on top of the surprise and then i just like freeze and yeah. i can't <laughs> i can't absorb everything that's happening i think that's exactly what happened there was just it, it, it almost it, it just seemed like a dream in some sense for me that i i have to just sit down watch it again watch every detail of it and then really feel whatever it is that I'm going to feel from those scenes. We should probably do that later tonight. Watch yeah. the episode again. Yeah. I think we should. Uh, all right, next up, uh, Suthius writes, Hey guys, the moment Grogu's ears popped up when the X-Wing came in is like a dog sensing his master coming oh, home. So and cute. the look on Gideon's face when he sees what's happening on screen is priceless. No, it was, again, so easy to just, ah, throw in a Jedi with a lightsaber kill. It, it, what Peyton Reed did in the direction of what to show and when and how he kind of just shaped all the events going on on screen. It communicated narrative. It gave layers to the reactions, the various reactions. Because like then you get Bo-Katan where she's like worried. Mm -hmm. Like there is some dude out there that can clearly come in here and just kill us all. To Gideon and what was going on with him. To Din and what he was realizing what was happening. To just Baby Yoda's like, oh yeah, Jedi's here everybody. Mm -hmm. We're good. Like. All these different things going on, the way Peyton Reed was able to manifest all of that at, at once was absolutely powerful. And I love that, Suthius. All right, next up. Coolsome XD, he, him, writes, did Kylo kill Grogu first super chat since the pandemic? Well, good to have you here, Coolsome MD. Uh, again, that's that's the million dollar question right now is, is that what they will say ultimately happened to baby Yoda? I suspect... Luke sends him off to be with his Yoda-like people at some point in the next 15 years before Kylo Ren betrays Luke and everybody. But, I mean, it's still possible. It, three options here, Ann. Mm -hmm. Baby Yoda becomes a Knight of Ren mm -hmm. that we just don't see in the last, the, 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 the Rise of Skywalker. Option two, he's one of the other Jedi students that gets murdered. Or option three, at some point in this 15 to 20 year gap luke eventually packs him up and sends him on to go home what do you think is the most likely scenario out of those three option four. Oh, what is option four <laughs> that grogu reunites with his friend wait would he still be alive yeah 15 20 years from oh now, yeah sure. an it, older an older mando so the din and grogu like twins like <laughs> just arnold and <laughs> arnold and danny devito, danny DeVito. <laughs> gallivanting through the galaxy <laughs> on their adventures maybe maybe all right uh Suthius writes i shook my head at the pilot who held the doctor at gunpoint why because the actor was the main villain of shield season seven i did not i've seen shield and i had no recollection of that uh, the way he spoke his mannerisms were the exactly the same as his shield character oive i did not know that i totally had no recollection of that i'd have to actually go back and see if that's true but again I, that's why i think when you realize 
that his own co-pilot starts saying, okay, look, I, I don't want to die for the boom. You're betraying our imperial ideals. Boom. Shot his own buddy in the head. At that point, you knew, okay, this guy's willing to die. He's completely willing to die. But I had no idea, Suthius, that he was from S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7. Now I've got to go back and look that crap up. Thank you so much for putting that in there, Suthius. That gave me another little nugget to look into. All right. Um, official Friend Zone writes, Hey, John, does this mean Kylo Ren axes down Baby Yoda? Uh, I was screaming during the entire third act. Again, it's like a lot of people wrote in and say, Now I hate Kylo Ren even more because eventually he's just... Again, I don't think that's what happens. There's a lot of time in between. It's, it's just so interesting that a lot of people, they, like they immediately went there, but I guess... I, I'm, it might have went over my head, but it's just interesting. To and, 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 and again, I have a, an alternate option to that that I think is more likely that eventually he just go home. I think you bring up a better alternate option that at some point he just reunites with Mando. And they go gallivanting around the ga galaxy in the Razor Crest 2 or something like that. Like, so <laughs> I think that's more likely. Uh, all right, next up. We have uh, Frost1977 writes, I want to burn The Last Jedi with fire more than ever now. Uh, what it did with Luke put a big wet blanket on my joy for Star Wars as a whole. Mando and Sola helping restore it. And I gotta say, I, I, gotta say, I completely disagree. Yeah. Like, to me, what they did with Luke in The Last Jedi, and again, I have issues with The Last Jedi. Everybody knows this. But the things with Luke were not one of them. I know everybody, including me, Wanted to come into The Last Jedi and see this big badass killing everybody and blah, blah, blah. I, I wanted to see that, yes. What they gave me some, was something that may have been better. The Luke we saw, whenever I hear somebody say to me, man, they totally changed Luke in The Last Jedi, I often say, have you ever watched a Star Wars movie? Like, have you ever seen Star Wars? Did you watch A New Hope and Empire and Return of the Jedi? Because if you did, you'd know that the Luke we saw in The Last Jedi was completely consistent with where a guy who has been what that character has been through would be and how devastated he was and how it drove him to think I'm the problem. And I thought it, it just made it all the more compelling and all the more consistent, especially since you got to understand Luke saw what happened with Vader. You know, he saw the genocide that happened across the galaxy, the untold millions, nay billions of people who were murdered as a result of the turn of his father, Anakin Skywalker, to Darth Vader. And then seeing that play out in front of him again with his own nephew that might even be more powerful than Vader himself was. And to, it's, it's like the classic, what would you do if you could go back in time and confront baby Adolf Hitler? That's the, the classic scenario, right? Would you kill a child if you knew that that child is going to grow up to be Hitler? What do you do? And Luke lived with the failure of Obi-Wan Kenobi with, with his father and what that led to. And now he could see it unfolding again. And he blamed himself. And that sort of stuff is all consistent with the character we knew in New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Completely consistent. And with one major point of growth. When he thought about taking taking out Kylo Ren, which would, ha would have saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, because Kylo Ren eventually did, he became the right-hand man in the First Order, responsible for the death of millions in the galaxy. That could have been prevented if Luke killed him. But Luke, everybody seems to overlook the fact that Luke chose not to. Luke could have killed him, he chose not to. 
And to me, and like I said, watching that scene last night of this completely confident, self-assured, a little bit of Jedi smugness even mm -hmm. in that Luke made me realize even more. Yeah. Once this guy fails and he realizes his own nephew is turning dark, that self-assuredness is going to crack like ice on concrete. And that will lead to the Luke we see in The Last Jedi. So again, I know that's not the popular opinion. I've never given two shits about believing what's popular, but I that's the way I saw it. And it really did kind of work for me. Anyway, uh, let's keep going here. Next up, uh, CoolSomeXG writes, CG Tarkin versus CG Luke versus CG Leia. CG Tarkin, I thought, worked very me well. Me too. I love CG Tarkin. Yeah. Like, was it perfect? Yeah. No. Uh, it's just pretty near perfect but to me. But it was damn good. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, it, it's still Uncanny Valley was there. The Leia one, hope was a little overemphasized, sure. whatever. The Luke one, not so great. But yeah, I, I yeah, easy, right? Like, well, Tarkin. I remember asking you, I'm like, is that an actual actor playing him? I swear. It, it was Tarkin, right? It, yeah, it got me. You know who I thought? I thought it was, I, I thought for sure it's Charles Dance, the guy from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's Charles Dance and they probably did a little bit of CGI with him, but no, it was like a full reconstruct mm -hmm. uh, of Tarkin's face, which I thought was pretty good. All right, next up, Murray Reich writes, at least the Dark Troopers had something to do with this season than what the stupid Knights of Ren did in The Rise of Skywalker, which was nothing. I'm telling you what. Well, first of all, you guys know I have a lot of opinions about The, the Rise of Skywalker. I did not like that movie. One of the big things was you have this three-film buildup to the Knights of Ren. Yeah. And even earlier in The Rise of Skywalker, they show up and even Stormtroopers are like, the Knights of Ren? Cool. Like, Wow. And then what do the Knights of Ren do? They followed people. They literally followed people. Get in a ship and follow the good guys around. The good guys show up in a city, follow them around in the city trying to find them. That's all they did. And then finally at the end, this is the other thing that made no sense to me. At the end, they try to fight Kylo. It's like, wait a minute, as far as they know, isn't he still the master of the Knights of Red? Yeah. Like, did, did Kylo send them a, a Facebook post? Hey, guys, I've turned good. Sorry. Like, did, did that happen? I remember. All of a sudden, they're they're fighting him at the end? I, I, I didn't get that. And was he not still the supreme leader? Yeah, he was. And couldn't if he, at the end of, of the Rise of Skywalker, just say, uh, all, all Star Destroyers, this is supreme leader Kylo Ren? Uh, you know, stand down. <laughs> he said, they, they put up like a tweet saying, I'm a good guy now. Let's go get the first. I don't know. A lot of things that bug me. <laughs> a lot of things that bug, bug me about the rise of Skywalker. All right, uh, let's move on here. Next up, uh, we've got Suthius writes, I have a big background in security dispatch. Nice. I would always know where my officers were at all times. If two officers were dispatched to escort, say, a doctor, I would know uh, who the pilots were. Hmm. Uh, so when they come back to command with an emergency, but being a completely different sounding pilot, I would hesitate and not let them into without confirming first. Gideon and his bridge crew didn't seem too bright with this. Well, it also depends. Because if dispatch is different than, than control, right? Dispatch may be different from control. So in the moment, in the heat of the moment with an emergency going on, you've got your Lambda class shuttle out there being pursued and shot at, and you've got precious cargo on board. 
you've got Gideon's doctor on board. You're not thinking about cross-checking the ID. I think part of it was that it happened so fast, right. you know? Right. So I'm willing to give that a pass because it is in the, in the hecticness and the chaos of it all, right? So I'm willing to give that a pass. I don't know. What about you? Did that stand out as a problem for you? Um, no, because they they were rejecting the the like signals for them to come in, right? Like they were actually not saying come in to, to land. Oh yeah, yeah. A they few were even times. telling them, yeah, don't come in here, blah blah. No, yeah. we're coming in. So yeah, I think it was just in the moment. It didn't bother me that much. Um, okay, uh, let's move on. Thanks a lot for that. And and that's that's the other thing about that is that. The added thing to the chaos was it wasn't just some random Lambda shuttle. It was the one with the scientist that Gideon needs. Yeah. Right? That shuttle had something on it that Gideon absolutely needs to have. And so he wasn't taking any chances with that. Like, fine, it's flying into the port. Even when we told him not to, just let him in. Don't shoot him out of the sky because mm -hmm. it had something needed. They used that to their advantage. Anyway, good observation, though, Suthius. All right, Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John and Anne. Wow, what a great finale. The question has to be asked. Rogue One ending or the, the scene today with droid troopers? Uh, close for me, in my opinion. Mm. <sighs> I will still go with the ending to Rogue One. Yeah, me too. I mean, the ending of Mando made me happier. But Vader just showing up was something out of a nightmare. Yeah. And it, again, it wasn't just property that he was damaging. That ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what Luke was doing. He was damaging property. The, the horror element of Vader showing up, the dark mist, the red lightsaber, the <sighs> sound that came through the mist, and everybody knows what's about to happen, and then all these rebels like screaming for their lives there was something so impactful about it i thought luke was more impressive but overall the effectiveness of a scene and they both did two different things i think i will because of those reasons i'll lean towards rogue one what about you hon yeah same I, that, that darth vader scene gives me still gives me nightmares it's suspenseful it gives me anxiety <laughs> i uh, just just everything about Vader is so menacing and the fact that he's also a murderer is also very scary. Um, yeah, I give it to the Rogue One scene. All right, we move on now to Suthius who writes, uh, much in the same vein, which do you prefer more of? Vader cutting down fools or Luke cutting down fools? <laughs> and which one made you change your pants more? Be honest, Mr. C. Well, I mean, the one that got me more excited and the one that brought joy to my heart, well, that was the Luke Skywalker scene. But again, going back to the overall impact of a scene, uh, th that scene with Vader, it, it was a triumph. It is truly one of the greatest scenes in all of Star Wars. Yeah. And this one with Luke, fabulous, fantastic. It definitely made me happier. Definitely made me more excited. But I, again, I got to go with, I think the, probably the more effective one overall was probably maybe because of the horror of the situation and the fact that Vader was actually killing people. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably takes it up to the next level. All right. Uh, Scott uh, Kolonko writes, one of three, 
Great season. The Dark Troopers might not have been as effective as their legend Legends counterparts, but seeing Luke, I don't know, they were pretty effective, uh, but seeing Luke take them all down was amazing. Um, at, uh, as always to each their own. But for me, the Mandalorian season has delivered on the goods where the sequel trilogy did not. Uh, they have done some job they have done some job bringing in elements from the prequel trilogy, original trilogy, and Legends all together. Uh, well, hope we get to visit a glassed Mandalore uh, next year. That, that's right. That comes from the it's been turned to glass. A glass Mandalorian next year. And I think we absolutely would. Here's how I feel about it. Overall, Mandalorian season one and season two are better than the sequel trilogy. Uh, overall, because I liked The Last Jedi, but had massive issues with it, too, at the same time. And I really dislike The Rise of Skywalker, like a lot. Do you know what it is like to me, hun? It's like the debate between um, the Dark Knight trilogy versus the Captain America trilogy. Hmm. I think overall the Captain America trilogy is the better overall trilogy. Right. Because to me, the weakest link out of all six films is The Dark Knight Rises. I, I, I like The Dark Knight Rises, but it, I think it's also the weakest of all six of the films. So I think Captain America is the better trilogy. But the best single part of all six films is The Dark Knight. Yeah. Like, I, I think The Dark Knight is a better, as a one film is better than any of the Captain America movies. But overall, the cap. So overall, I feel like Mandalorian is is absolutely better. I think Mandalorian is absolutely better than the original than the uh, sequel trilogy. But I still think the best individual part might be the Force Awakens. Like I I love the Force Awakens, mm -hmm. and I think I like the Force Awakens more than any individual episode of Mandalorian. But sure. overall, easily for me. Because you're talking about a, a consistency of excellence. There was one or two episodes in season one, notably yeah. the, the ones that Dave Filoni directed that were, were a little bit weaker, although Dave Filoni's live-action directorial game came way up in season two. Uh, but overall, Mandalorian season one, season two, just a good, consistent level of excellence, whereas obviously the, the sequel trilogy did not. If you had to choose between watching, again, the sequel trilogy... Or The Mandalorian season one and two, which which uh, one do you take? Uh, like I would watch The Force Awakens, and I I would skip the last of the trilogy of the movies. Yeah, I would skip over Rise of Skywalker um, every time. I oh gosh, I would keep I would I would choose the trilogy actually the the film trilogy over Mandalorian. Really, you would yeah. So you would take. There's the enough Force in the Awakens, first two the movies. The Last Jedi and yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Really? For me to enjoy that over the show. Yeah. And for me, I would take Mandalorian over it, but that's just me. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next. Who was next here? Next was Ben Burnside, who writes, Interesting to see that Boba is not viewed as a Mandalorian and is apparently hated by the Mandalorian community. Interesting, since he is the OG. I mean, but it makes it, in a way... He is Mandalorian. His father was a foundling. So that really means Jango was a Mandalorian and then fought in the Mandalorian Wars. But in some way, they don't look at Boba Fett that way. 
And so that was interesting that the Mandalorian community, I mean, the legend of Boba Fett is obviously very well known and famous throughout the galaxy. And the Mandalore seemed to have a certain opinion about him. Maybe that changes, but you're right, Ben. That was one of the more interesting narrative angles that they took on that. Okay, next up, Ben Burnside also writes, I just want to say thank you, John. I love to contribute to this show because I genuinely enjoy chatting about this on here. Thank you uh, for this fun. Well, thank you, Ben, for participating and being a part of it. And thank you for supporting the channel and all that kind of stuff. And it is awesome to have you here. So thanks so much for that, dude. And thanks to everybody who are sending in all these questions and thoughts. And we just get to geek out about this. Uh, the Movie Guru, Movie Reviews and More writes, and episode three moth mentioned a fleet uh it uh could it be thrones possibly but remember there are still lots of imperial ships out there i mean just because the empire was destroyed the imperial navy is a huge vast thing and there are probably many fragments of the empire still out there and so it's possible they could be referring to Thrawn, but not necessarily. Anthony R. writes, can we talk about uh, Gideon's reaction when he saw Luke, which was great. He knew exactly who Luke was and scared shitless. Every Imperial fears Luke at this point. I got, I got to agree. And I think that's what a lot of us forget, including me, was that everybody knows who took down the Empire. Mm -hmm. It was Luke Skywalker. I mean, it was the whole rebellion, but... Luke Skywalker is, is at the heart of all of that, and everybody knows to be afraid of Luke Skywalker. And seeing a single X-Wing fighter approach and seeing Baby Yoda's ears go up, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Pull out his little Baby Yoda bag of popcorn just to watch the show. I mean, that that was a great moment. And and again, and I think it it spoke to the to the brilliance that Peyton Reed had directing this episode. Mm-hmm of every character exhibiting on that bridge, exhibiting a different response. Sure. Baby Yoda was responding differently to what was going on than, than Mando was, who was responding differently than Bo-Katan was, who was responding differently than Moff Gideon was. And the fact that he interwove all that complexity into one quick brief, boom, 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 scene and out the door, he did so much with so little time. It's one of the things that I loved about it. You know, so I know, what do you think the chance, like is, do you think at this point, the Empire, everybody, all the remnants, is is Luke Skywalker kind of the Baba Yaga, the boogeyman to the rest of the Empire at this point? How did you uh, that? Yeah, of course, of course. I think but the, it's interesting that these characters, some of the characters know about his reputation right now and some of them don't. I think it reminds you of how vast the universe is and, and that not everybody is aware of what's going on, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I think the reactions were on point. I think the the uh, reaction from Grogu was my favorite. Yes, <laughs> it was so, just the way he was like reaching out to the monitors, like, oh yeah. I part of go. me was like, is he like signaling, like, hey, I'm over here? Like, was there some sort of little force connectivity happening? You know what I half expected to see happen? I half expected that, like, when the elevator was coming up and all the dark troopers were sitting there waiting, I kind of half expected Baby Yoda to go me and then all the the dark troopers would have flown against the wall for a second giving luke a chance to come out but no he's, he was just a spectator yeah he was just a spectator taking hey guys listen um ann's got some things she needs to take care of which specifically include our dogs our, oh, our dogs yes. need to be taken care of right now That's but and thank you for joining me for this first half of the show of course in the meantime where can people follow you and your adventures online? Thanks, guys. This was a lot of fun joining you for the entire season. And Oh, um, yeah. that This is it, too. This is the last yeah. season. 
This has been amazing. This season has flown by, but we're we're going to be back for Wandavision. Yes. We're going to do weekly spoiler discussions for Wandavision when it gets started up mid January. Yeah, but yeah, of course. In the meantime, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me at Ann Campia on Twitter as well as Instagram, and you can even find me on LinkedIn if you want. Same name. All right, baby. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you. And uh, we will continue on, guys. We still have stuff to talk about. Lots more questions from you guys to come. So let's do uh, as good of a job as we can getting through as many of them as we possibly can. All right. Let's keep things going here because Cinema Reviews writes, likely won't happen since R2 was there, but I have this weird feeling that wasn't the real Luke. Wasn't there an EU story about an evil clone of him? There, Listen, there was a lot of ridiculous stuff in the EU. One of the many reasons a lot of the EU was never considered actual canon, like even while under still George Lucas, they had different levels and a lot of that stuff was never considered canon. Make That was the real Luke. Yeah, the, the X-Wing R2, that was the real Luke. So uh, to me, there is absolutely zero doubt that was the actual Luke Skywalker and they weren't drawing on any EU stuff there. Although maybe it was a clone and that's why I don't have faith. My cloning was not so good and therefore my face muscles don't move when I talk. I don't know. Maybe that was a possibility. But I have very little doubt. I can see why you're asking that, Cinema, for sure. But I have very little doubt that was the real review. All right, next up, Cinema also writes, I think the credits are an indication Grogu will reunite with Din. Absolutely. Uh, why? The art in the credits is a major thing associated with the show, and it was missing. I mean, that was the first sign that there was going to be a post credit scene, right? Because one of the coolest things about every episode of Mandalorian is that uh, ending where they show the art, the concept art, bef- like that went into the episode before they start shooting it, right? And that wasn't there. So that was kind of the first little hint that we were probably going to get some sort of uh, some sort of post credit scene. And, and, and you're right. But again, I thought it was John Favreau clearly sending a message to the audience when Bando said, I'll see you again. I promise. I, I think that was Favreau actually talking to us. So that's what I think. You never know, though. All right. Next up. Robo writes, one of two. I hoped Luke would get mesmerized by seeing another Yoda species and call him Baby Yoda. I also wish he had thanked Mando uh, on behalf of the Jedi Order for keeping the kids safe with his life. I just wanted a little bit of acknowledgement for Mando, plus a couple more sentences from Luke. Well, I mean, but you got to understand something. Unlike you and I, Luke wasn't sitting at home with a bag of proverbial Jedi popcorn watching the events of Mandalorian, he really doesn't know. Like Luke understood, he got this signal from there's this powerful young force user out there and he tracks him down. Now he gets it when he shows up, given the circumstance that these people are held up in here being attacked by Imperials and with this baby. So there's that, but Luke didn't watch all the episodes of Mandalorian and understand everything Din had gone through. He'd gone through the door and realized, oh, there's a connection here. And that's why he assures Din, hey, listen, I will protect this child. Don't worry about it. I got him. I got you. I got his back. Don't you worry. But he hadn't seen the first two seasons of Mandalorian to know all the story to go, go up and shake his hand. Din, I just want to thank you for everything you've done, dude, and the sacrifice and everything you went through to try to protect little baby Yoda. We got to remember that we saw things as an audience that some of the characters on screen didn't see. Now, I'm sure baby Yoda will communicate that to Luke as their adventures move forward, but he probably didn't know that at the time. Uh, Next up, Matt Zayan writes, 
Some people are saying that this is connecting to to the Skywalker saga again, but not really. Uh, this just showed that Mando and his gang story is not the biggest story in the universe. Luke didn't even care about them. Well, that's true. And, and you got to remember, it's not that it connected to the Skywalker saga. Everything in the galaxy at this point in time connects to the Skywalker saga. Because the Skywalker saga is really the story of everything that was happening in the galaxy at the time. The very fact that there were even fragments of the Empire left is a connection to the Skywalker saga. Skywalker is the one who brought down the Empire in, in many ways. So it really, that's the thing about it being the one same universe. It all in some way connects. But I love what you just said there, Miguel. Luke showing up showed that there is a much bigger universe beyond just what's happening with Mando and the Mandalorians and everybody else who was in the show. There's a bigger story going on. And I think that was also a very effective thing that they did. Good, good observation there, Miguel. Next up, Iconic Reactions who sends in like a, a $21 uh, super chat. Thank you, Iconic Reactions, for supporting the show on that level, man. Hello, my fellow Star Wars fans. So I was watching the episode again, and I realized that Din... Uh, was actually trying to kill himself. What? Before Luke got to him, but was knocked out before he got the chance to? Uh, everyone really fears Luke. I was watching the episode again, and I realized that Din was actually trying to kill himself. I I did not know. I, I didn't interpret that at all. Like, in the least, like, I'm looking over at the live chat, and, and I don't know what you guys think of that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Um, that, that wasn't my interpretation of that in the least, unless you're talking about, uh, Gideon, Moff Gideon, as opposed to Din, because Didion did get the gun and put the gun to his own head to try to take himself out. Because remember, he believes in you, like, remember what he said to the other Imperial officer, it's too late. They're going to take the bridge. You know what to do. And the Imperial killed himself because long live the Empire. Moff Gideon's a true believer for the Empire and probably thought, you know what? I can't let myself fall into the rebel into the New Republic's hands. I got to kill myself. And so if you're talking about Gideon, then I see what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. But not Din. If you're talking about Din, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what, where you're taking that meaning from. Anyway, either way, thanks for sending that in, Iconic. All right, Iconic Reactions also writes, Also, I wasn't able to move from my couch today as I was trapped in my Star Wars spunk after seeing Luke decapitate the droids like that. Stay filthy, dude. And I'm telling you, it was all glorious. The, the lightsaber stuff was all glorious. But to me, the creme de la creme was when Luke had that one last dark trooper left and just went and crushed it. That to me was like, yeah, I just feel like flexing a little bit. I mean, yeah, Luke could have just taken his lightsaber and cut off its head really easy. But Luke wanted to flex. Watch my power. And crushed him. Damn, that was glorious. That was angel singing kind of glorious. I love that. Uh, Harley Rogers writes, can Disney let a man beat a woman for once? Boba Fett loses to a girl. Boba Fett never lost to a girl. What are you talking about? Uh, Luke Skywalker loses to Rey and his sister in combat. Kylo loses to Rey. All right. First of all, you are so wrong about all of that. Let's start with Boba Fett. Boba Fett did not lose the fight to Sasha Banks. All right. I think it's pretty clear that had that fight continued, 
Boba Fett was going to win that fight, but they 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 stopped the fight. And remember, this was a trained Mandalorian warrior that he was fighting. So I have no problem that she got in some shots. But there is no in no interpretation did Sasha Banks win the fight against uh, win the fight against Boba Fett? Not at all, not in the least. So there's that. Luke Skywalker did not lose to Rey. All right, let's be clear about that. The only time that fight stopped was when Ray was able to get a lightsaber, right? Luke was handling her very easily until a, until a lightsaber came into play. Okay, well, then there's nothing you can do about that. But up until that moment, he was handling her very easily. The other thing about Kylo and Ray is everybody who whines about Ray and all that kind of stuff, they always conveniently overlook the fact that the first time Ray and Kylo encounter each other, Ray or Kylo destroys her. Like their first encounter, Ray doesn't so much as get in one shot. Remember outside of Maz Katana's uh, bar and club, he tracks her down out in the wilderness. She fires off a bunch of things. No problem. And then he just snaps of his finger. She's frozen. He's got like a, he totally destroys her. Their first encounter, their second encounter he was, Kylo Ren was literally dying. He had been shot in the abdomen with Chewbacca's bowcaster that we had seen earlier in the film blow stormtroopers away. This gun that has, was blowing stormtroopers away, he takes a shot in the abdomen and he's literally bleeding out and dying. And that was the state in which he had his first his first fight with Ray. Everybody who has this agenda about, oh, they do everything with women. No, they didn't. She got her ass handed to her the first time she encountered Kylo Ren. And everybody just conveniently forgets about that. And then the second time they fought, he was literally dying. He was so literally dying that uh, Finn actually got a shot in on Kylo Ren. Remember that? Finn actually got a shot in on him because he was literally dying and bleeding out as he was trying to fight the two of them. So, yeah, sorry, Harley, but everything you're saying makes no sense. None of what it's, it's in the words of Luke Skywalker. It's amazing how every single thing you just said was wrong. But again, facts matter. you got to remember the events as they actually unfolded. So just now Luke losing in the training exercise to Leia. Sure. But he's training Leia. I, I never once thought Luke was going all out. Like I never thought that Luke was absolutely going all out, actually trying to beat Leia. But, but you can, but if you want to just go by what happened on the screen in that movie, yes. In that training exercise, the way it appeared was that Luke bested or Leia bested Luke. Okay. I still don't think Luke was even trying at a hundred percent, but if you want to go with that one, I'll give you that one. Even though that makes no sense to me, but I'll give you that one. The other ones, you're conveniently forgetting a lot of things that actually happened in the movie. So that's important. That's important, Harley. All right, next up. Uh, Richard K. sends in a $20 uh, chat. Thank you so much, Richard, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Part one. I think when Marth Gideon said he wanted the child's blood, it was for the Palpatine clones. Oh, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. And loved the look, loved the look scene. I soup. Loved the look scene, the look scene. I soup gooped all over. It was awesome. If you're talking about the look, like the 
the the look on Moff Gideon's face. Is that what we're talking about? But anyway, yeah, what they made it very clear that they connected. They showed the narrative threads connecting the events of Mandalorian to the formation of the First Order, right? That was clearly a, an early Snoke clone prototype in those test tubes. And clearly they were after Yoda, baby Yoda's blood to try to infuse it with force power. I hate the fact that Star Wars has made it. They've made the force like a, a sexually transmitted disease. You can, get, you can catch it. You can catch the force. You had sex with that guy? Yeah. Did you use protection? Because you might have the force now. You might have got midichlorians. You should probably go and get tested to see if you have midichlorians now. I, I hate that they've made brought that into Star Wars, but whatever, it's there. They clearly were showing that that's what they wanted Baby Yoda for. So I think, Richard, you are 100% on the nose with that. I think you were 100% on the nose with that. Uh, Suthius writes, Boba the Hutt. That's pretty much it now. Man, you know, not only... Was it an awesome shot of Boba Fett sitting on Jabba's throne or Bib Fortuna's throne at that point? But the other awesome part of that was Fennec just kind of sitting on the arm of the throne, chugging like this big thing of some sort of alcohol. I just thought as an image, the whole thing was great. I cannot wait to see those two back again for the book of Boba Fett. All right. Uh, oh, Richard K. Oh, that was part one. Part two. Um, now I want to see a Luke spinoff about him recruiting young Jedi to train, including training baby Yoda and his rise as a grandmaster and his fall to the series ends with Kylo turning on him. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't have a lot of enthusiasm as much as Luke is my favorite. Luke is my favorite character in all of star Wars always has been, but I got to admit I don't have a lot of enthusiasm for seeing stories that I already exactly know how they turn out. Like, and it's not like Titanic, right? Titanic, we know the boat sinks, but we don't know the story of everybody involved. With Luke, we know exactly what happens to Luke. We know exactly what happens to his new Jedi temple. We know exactly what happens to his prime, his prize student, his nephew. We know, we know, we know that a number of them become Knights of Ren. We know that a lot of the rest of them get slaughtered. Like there's so much about that story that we already know how it all turns out and how it turns out for a lot of the individual characters. With something like Titanic, that's not the case. We know that the ship sinks, but we really don't know anything else in the movie. So I, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, Richard. I'm not sure that I would share your enthusiasm as much as Luke is my absolute favorite Star Wars character. I don't know that I would share your enthusiasm for a now Luke Skywalker series, especially now that we've seen how he looks. I am Luke Skywalker. I am a Jedi. I will protect the like, and I, I don't know. Now you could replace him with an actor. Sure. But again, just from a narrative point of view, I'm. I am honestly more interested in the Acolyte. I am honestly more interested in that series coming, the Acolyte that they announced, than I would be for a continuing Adventures of Luke Skywalker at this point. That doesn't mean I'd be completely against seeing Luke pop up now, maybe now and again, once a year or something like that in a quick little scene. But I just, we already know where that whole story goes. So personally, and I can only speak for myself, not other Star Wars fans, because I'm sure a lot of Star Wars fans like you, Richard, would be very excited about this notion. But for me, I'm good. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't think we need to see that, but that's just me. All right, thanks for sending that in, Richard. Next up, K Major writes, uh, even the dark troopers are like, holy shit, we are so screwed. Even these robots with no emotions whatsoever are like, yeah, there's a Jedi coming up this thing. We're kind of done. We're not made out of Beskar, y'all. We're, we're kind of done. So you're right. They kind of did emote that in many ways. Uh, Richard writes in again, and I think we will see Ezra in the Ahsoka show as she is looking for Thrawn, and we last saw him sucked off somewhere distant with Ezra. Absolutely. Now, what makes this really interesting, Richard, is the fact that last week, or about two weeks ago, Dave Filoni, director of Rebels, um, he threw us a curveball when he said that final scene of Rebels where Sabine and Ahsoka are about to go off and search for Thrawn and Ezra. I really, they were looking for Ezra, but Ezra and Thrawn went off together, so she's searching for both of them. Dave Filoni made it clear, we are not telling you when that happened. Dave Filoni said that scene could have happened bef- like after the events of Mandalorian. I think a lot of us assumed that it would have that that scene happened years later, many years later. But Dave Filoni said, uh, that scene in Rebels could have happened before the events of Mandalorian, or it could have happened after the events of Mandalorian. It it means that every possibility is still on the table. So it could be Thrawn has already come back, which means Ezra is still out there somewhere. Or the search for Thrawn and Ezra, she's searching for Thrawn to find Ezra. I mean, either way, it leaves the door open that we could still see Ezra Bridger. And, and I agree with you. I, I am anticipating, I have no insider information, I am anticipating we see Ezra Bridger in the uh, Ahsoka Tano show. All right, official friend zone writes, I don't know anything about Ezra or Cal, so up until I saw his face, I wasn't positive it was Luke, so the buildup was much more special for me. See, part of me was, the moment the X-Wing showed up, I knew it was Luke. But because of the way Peyton Reed directed it, even though I knew it was Luke, he made me, well, maybe there's some doubt by not showing his face that like, you know, it's Luke, but maybe it's not. Okay. There's the leather glove on the hand. Okay. We know it's Luke, but they're not showing us Luke's face. Maybe it's not. It's a green lightsaber. It's clearly Luke. Or maybe that's just a misdirection. Maybe it's somebody. I mean, that was part of the brilliance of what Peyton Reed did, right? In, in like the way he directed those scenes. Uh, I thought it was absolutely perfect. I, I, I loved it, friend zone. I loved it. Senor Film writes, great freaking episode. Cannot wait for season three for the for the Boba show. When do you think we will find out the showrunner, director, etc.? We should know fairly quick because, again, according to that deadline story that came out weeks ago, they're shooting the Boba Fett series right now. Like as we speak. I wouldn't be surprised if while we are sitting here doing this show and doing this live chat, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we found out that official news came up about who's directing it. Because whoever's directing is directing it right now as we speak. Directing it right now as we speak. I wouldn't be surprised if it's John Favreau. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dave Filoni. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Rick Famuyiwa. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Peyton Reed. I mean, but I think we will find out very soon who it is uh, because they're shooting it right now. So it's going to come out. 
They're shooting it right now, so it's going to come out. All right, next up. Uh, Official Friend Zone also. I still I love that name. Official Friend Zone writes, uh, do you think season two is better than season one? I think it, it is easily no brainer. I don't th- I don't think so. I, at least what I don't think is that it's some easy decision. Mandalorian became a worldwide phenomena with season one. Season two is built on that. Uh, but I think it is much closer than just saying it's a no-brainer. Season one was so good. Remember, nobody would care about Mandalorian season two if it wasn't for Mandalorian season one. So, I mean, I don't know. I personally lean towards season two. I personally lean towards season two being the better season. But it is we are very much a what have you done for me lately, and we very quickly forget like, let's not forget the final two episodes of season one and how blown away everybody was. It was so great. They lean a little bit more on fan service this season than they did in season one. I, I think still, t- I will lean towards season two being the better season, but but not by a mile. I think we are forgetting just how good season one was, even with the odd week episode here or there. But um, but I think it's much closer. I, I, don't, I, I disagree with you that it's a no-brainer. I'll agree that I also will pick season two, but I think it is a lot closer than you think. I think it's a lot closer than you think. Anyway, K Major tips in $20. Thank you, K Major, for supporting the channel on that level. I think that Disney is, t- is testing to see how the fans react to seeing a CGI Luke or just CGI characters at all. No, they're not. Um, I can see more CGI characters in the vein of Luke uh, make more appearances. Leia, does Hamill still get paid for this? I mean, I don't know, but no. Disney, despite the fact that everybody, I've seen it happen all the times. Disney just did this to test to see if the audience liked it. I, I don't think Disney is that knee-jerk reactionary. I don't think they throw something out there as blatant like this to see his test. Because remember, this the CGI Luke is not the first time they've done this. They did it with Tarkin. They did it with Leia. And under in the Mouse House, if we want to go outside of Lucasfilm, they did it with Michael Douglas and Ant-Man. I mean, it's it's not like we've never tested this stuff out before. So let's just test this now and see how it goes. Uh, Luke appearing in here, if anything else, was a result of what they did with Tarkin, about what they did with Leia, and they understood, hey, this works to a to a to a point. It works to a point. I don't think at all the thought in in the halls of Disney or Lucasfilm was, let's test this out to see if we can do a whole lot more of Luke. I, I don't think that was the case. Disney does not, unlike some other studios, and listen, Disney does a lot of things that makes me pull my hair out. Make no mistake about it. But one of the things that they don't do is they're not reactionists. They don't do, let's do one test of something and then base an entire plan on that. Oh, people didn't like this one thing. Let's never do it again. People did like this one thing. Let's do a hundred things of that. They're not reactionists. They are much more calculated. They are much more planned out. They make decisions based on lots of criteria and a much bigger sample size. So I, I don't agree. I don't agree that this Luke was just a test. I don't think they threw out the season finale of Mandalorian as a sacrificial lamb, as a testing field to see, let's just do this just to see how people react to CGI Luke. I I just don't think that's how Disney operates. Now, will they pay attention 
to what the response to CGI Luke was? Sure. But as one piece of data, and one of the things we know about Disney is they don't make big decisions based on small sample sizes of data. They make decisions on much broader things. So will they pay attention to the reaction? Sure. Was this all a test? Not a chance. In my opinion, not a chance on that. That's just not how Disney operates. At this point, at any rate, K-Major. And, uh, and listen, there are things that worked and things that people loved seeing Luke. But the CGI was not so good. So I don't know. We'll see where things go. All right. Alex Pitt writes, one of uh, favorite parts was when Din lifted up his helmet because he wanted Grogu to see his face before they parted ways. It was very emotional. And I don't even think it was because Din wanted him to see his face. I think they made it pretty clear it was that Baby Yoda wanted to see his face. Baby Yoda was communicating by reaching out and touching his face. He's basically saying, let me see you. Let me see you before I go. Let me know who you are. Let me see your face so that when I think about you going off to the Jedi Temple, it's not just a Mandalorian mask I see. He was literally asking Din to take off the mask. And I think that added to the beauty of the moment. I thought that moment was beautiful and it could have been really cheesy. This was a moment that could have come across as really cheesy, but it was executed to near perfection and, and came off just beautiful. Alex just came out absolutely beautiful. All right. Next up, David Tapia writes question. If the dark troopers had armor made of pure Beskar, would Luke be able to crush them using force power since he couldn't slice through them? Don't know. That's a good theoretical. Now, of course, when we understand the pure value of Beskar, that pirates are willing to murder just to get one suit of it. One suit of it says to an entire ship of crew, we're all rich. That when, when Mando would walk into a bar, every bounty hunter looks at him with absolute envy. The value of that. It, it means that probably dark troopers made out of Beskar is probably not feasible. It's probably, it's too cost prohibitive. I, I don't think they could come up with that much Beskar anyway. But in theory, could he have crushed it? I'm going to guess yes. Because remember, like Toyota, it's not, size doesn't matter, right? Like lifting a rock, Toyota, is no different than lifting a starship. Bending tinfoil is no different than bending Beskar. It's the force. So I think, yeah, theoretically, it wouldn't have mattered if the Dark Trooper had been made out of Beskar because it doesn't matter. Lifting an object with the force, it doesn't matter whether it's one pound or a hundred kilotons. It doesn't matter. Size of irrelevance. Size matters not. Look at me. Judge, be, judge me by my size, do you? And well, you should not, you know? To quote the shirt Anne was wearing. Um, so yes, I think theoretically he still would have been able to crush the uh, the guy. All right. Uh, Am MJ writes, uh, love it or hate it, I got to give them props for making a ballsy move such as taking the show past Baby Yoda. And I'm not sure that they have taken it past Baby Yoda. I, I am still of the belief, again, no insider information. I'm not telling you I've been told that Baby Yoda... Nope, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. There's a difference between what you believe and what you know. I do not know that Baby Yoda is definitively coming back, but I believe Baby Yoda is coming back. 
again, <clears throat> sorry, I've been talking for now almost four hours today because I did a John Campy show earlier. Um, again, I believe John Favreau was talking to the audience when Din said, I will see you again. I think that was him talking to the audience. I think Baby Yoda will be back for season three. I, let's put it this way. I will be pretty surprised if he's not. I will be surprised if he's not. It's not an absolute, but I, I think he will be. Uh, also, I'm uh, AMJ writes, do you think Ben Solo turned Grogu to guacamole or did he survive? Again, I think, and this is all speculation, I think at some point Luke sends him back to be with his people. I think at some point he sends him back to be with his people. So I do not think he either converted to be a Knight of Ren, nor do I think he's one of the ones that got slaughtered. I think he gets sent off. Or, as Anne was saying, at some point he just full-time reunites with Mando. Maybe Mandalorian picks up like three years later. And and Luke thinks, you know what? For At this point, I think it'll be good for little Grogu to be out in the universe away from the school for a few decades. His training's not complete, but I think this might be a good part of his training to now. He's learned for a few years. It'll be good for him to get out and experience some life and then come back later. I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I don't think he was killed. Uh, Lucky Dragon writes, I've been a big defender of how Luke was in The Last Jedi. Seeing this Luke made me realize it was a mistake. Uh, this is the Luke we should have gotten in um, the sequel trilogy. Uh, Lucky Dragon says that's one of two. Uh, why does... Oh, maybe that wasn't one of two. Oh, no, that's just one. Again, I, again, I completely disagree, Lucky Dragon. To me, and I, I'm only speaking for myself here, just, just my own as a fan, how it hit me as a piece of art, was seeing Luke this way, to me, enforces this confident, self-assured, little bit of Jedi smugness uh, Luke, which was awesome to see. But that Luke facing and confronting a horrific failure, the death of all of his students, the turning on him by his own nephew, the, the fact that he recognized his own nephew was turning to the Darksider and was going to become the next Sith scourge of the galaxy. That kind of failure will break anybody but it can especially break somebody who's really confident and self-assured. And that's part of the reason why when we see Luke in the sequel trilogy, he's so angry at his – that the his, he feels his own arrogance led to that failure, right? So again, to me, I'm not trying to convince anybody who didn't like what they did with Luke in the sequel trilogy to suddenly like it. But I, all I can tell you is that for me personally, seeing this Luke in Mandalorian only reinforces – that that is the Luke that that's what led to the Luke that we saw in the sequel trilogy. To me, one actually just enforced the other, not contradicted it. But that's just me. That's just the way it, I kind of interpreted Lucky Dragon. All right, next up. Uh, Shane Sikia writes, what happens to Grogu between now and episode seven? Great question. Will they explain predictions? Also, Bo-Katan needs the saber. No resolution. Why? Will she become a villain to Din? Well, I think there's no resolution because that was the next open door. Remember, last season, they brought Mandalorian to a close. He gets Baby Yoda off that planet and gets them away from Moff Gideon. But at the same time, they open the door for the next season. We see Gideon survive the crash and has the Darksaber. Also, 
the uh, the head of his order, the other Mandalorian, gives Mando his quest. You now must reunite this child with his people. So they ended the season while opening the door. They did the exact same thing this season. They wrapped up the story and they opened the story for what Mandalorian season three is going to be. You know, you need, he made a commitment now to go with Bo-Katan to try to retake Mandalore. And they also introduced this point of conflict about Din's got the Darksaber and the only, he can't give it back to Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan has to take it from him in combat. That, and, and so that is what our next season is. That's why there's no resolution to that. But again, I, I have got to see how they're going to explain their way out of this because in Rebels, the way Bo-Katan gets the Darksaber in the first place was Sabine Wren going, oh, here, you take it. And Bo-Katan going, okay, I have the Darksaber, everybody. And everybody, nobody, nobody said, well, wait a minute, Bo-Katan, you can't take the lightsaber. You can't take the Darksaber that way. You have to take it from her in combat. Nope, nobody said that. She got given the Darksaber and everybody was cool with it. So go figure. I don't know what they're going, but that was them clearly, Shane, opening up the door for the next season. All right, K-Major uh, sends in a $20 super chat. Thank you, K-Major, for supporting the channel on that level, man. Uh, not going to lie, on my second viewing, I wish JJ was sitting next to me so I can say two things. That's how you end a series. Two, it's okay to swing for the fences in filmmaking. Uh, doing what's safe doesn't always work out, in my opinion. I, listen, I don't think JJ did anything safe. If he had done the safe things, and listen, this is coming from a guy that thinks, I believe the sequel trilogy descended in quality as it progressed. I thought it started on a big high note with The, the Force Awakens, and then it just descended from there. So that's coming from me. If J.J. had done everything safe, what they would have done was uh, Ray would have been a princess she would have been the daughter of Luke Skywalker. If they wanted to play it safe and stupid and boring, they just would have said from the beginning, Rey is the daughter of Luke Skywalker or the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi or she's descended from some powerful Jedi or, or something like that. They would have done everything that all the fans were screaming for and just done what, just done pure fans. Are. I mean, that would have been the safe thing to do. That would have been the safe thing to do. What they did... With again, and I have issues with the, the the Last Jedi. I have significant issues with it. But like what they did with Luke, I, I'm sorry, that was not the safe thing to do. They decided to go deep character study. What happens to a man like Luke Skywalker, who had all this, who accomplished all of that, then faced a tremendous failure? And what happens? And, and that's leading to even Yoda having his discussion with Luke saying, look, failure is the greatest teacher. We got to learn from it and we got to move on from it. And I thought that was key. But with all of the issues I have with particularly the rise of Skywalker, which I think is terrible, and all the issues that I have with the rise of Sky with uh, The Last Jedi, which I still like The Last Jedi, but there are big problems with it. None of the issues that I have stem from me thinking they played it safe. No. Doing what everybody wanted them to do was playing it safe. Um, you can make an argument. Having Luke Skywalker come up, come, come in and save the day at the end, as much as I loved it and as much as I jizzed in my pants of it happening, let's be honest. That was the safe thing to do. 
I know no one wants to hear that right now, but let's be honest with ourselves. Having Luke Skywalker show up at the end to save the day, that's the safe thing to do. You know, everybody will love seeing Luke showing up. Everybody will cheer. And it's really easy. He can just come in. He can destroy all the dark troopers easy and blah, blah, blah. That was the safe thing to do. Doing the safe thing didn't make it less effective, though. It was incredibly effective. We were all jumping up and down on our couches and loving it. But it was, nonetheless, the safe thing to do. So doing the safe thing is not necessarily in and of itself a good or a bad thing. But again, I, I would argue that of all the mistakes that J.J. made, especially with the Rise of Skywalker, oh, the mistakes he made with the Rise of Skywalker, none of it stemmed from trying to play it safe. It stemmed from doing some really stupid things, some really, really dumb things. Just like John Favreau doing some pretty safe things in Mandalorian wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it was extremely effective. Sometimes the safe thing is the right thing to do, right? Sometimes the safe thing is absolutely the right thing to do. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. But anyway, that's kind of my take on it. Thanks for that, K-Major. Next up, uh, Lucky Dragon writes, Why does Bo suddenly need to win the Darksaber in, contact, uh, in combat when the last time she had it, she was literally handed to her by Sabine? Thank you. Thank you. I, I know. I, like To me, this is, again, is another sign that Lucasfilm, when Luke, when Disney first got Lucasfilm, they made this big song and dance about from now on, everything is solid, solid canon. If it's in a novel, it's canon from now on. If it's in a new comic book, it's canon from now on. If it's in one of the shows, it's canon from now on. And I knew if you go back to my early AMC days and they first made this pronouncement, I said right at the from day one, I said, I don't believe they're going to be able to maintain that. You can't have 40 different storytellers telling stories in, in books and in video games and comic books and TV series and movies and expect that all it's going to get too convoluted and canon is going to get broken. I said that from day one. And sure enough, over the years, we started to see inconsistencies between things in the book. And then even famously, Pedro, Pas uh, not Pedro Pascal, um, uh, why am I forgetting the name of the guy at Lucasfilm? I'm freezing on his name. Um, uh, damn, I'm forgetting the guy's name at Lucasfilm. If you guys remember who it is I'm talking about, go ahead and throw it in there. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo. That's who it is. Sorry. I said it before anybody had a chance to write it in. Pablo Hidalgo famously saying, because somebody brought up to him, hey, wait a minute, this happens in the books and it's not consistent with what happened in the movies. Are the books not canon anymore? And he said, what Pablo Hidalgo then famously said was, well, if it's in line with what happens in the movies, it's canon. If it's not in line with the movies, it's not canon. Look, something, something is either canon or it's not. It's like a girl being pregnant. She's either pregnant or she's not. She's not sort of pregnant, right? That book is either canon or it's not canon. Well, there are parts of canon and there are parts that aren't canon. That's, then that means it's not canon, right? Um, and, and this Sabine problem, this is a big issue to me because it's Filoni's own show. It's not like some other filmmaker made Rebels. This was Dave Filoni. He made Rebels. And I love Rebels. But he made Rebels. 
and then was involved in this series. How can you have such a glaring conflict, such a glaring contradiction? She can't even touch the dark saber because she'll never be recognized as a leader. She has to take it from you in combat. Really? Because I was just watching Rebels and she took it pretty easily before from somebody else. Why can't she? I, I, so they're going to have to address that. They're, I think, and I think Filoni and Favreau know that that is going to have to be addressed at some point. So I'm sure they will at some point. Like, but, I, but I totally agree with you, Lucky Dragon. 100% agree. All right. Anthony R. writes, been watching reaction videos uh, all day and reading posts. It warms my heart to see the Star Wars community united again. Thank you, Favreau, Filoni, and all the directors for two great seasons so far. Oh, no, and it, and it is great. And listen, I, I know it's the unpopular thing to say. Everybody knows thing. Everybody knows that I believe Kathy Kennedy needs to step down as the head of Lucasfilm. Everybody knows this. But you have to give credit where it's due. And I've been very vocally critical of a lot of the things that Kathy Kennedy has done wrong since taking over Star Wars. Lack of planning, can't get on the same page, not getting the right filmmaker, all that kind of stuff. But give credit where it's due. And I know this is going to be hard for some people to hear, but this is the truth. Kathy Kennedy has gotten hundreds, if not thousands of pitches from big filmmakers all over the world with ideas they have for something to do with Star Wars. From big, big names to smaller names, whatever. And when the Mandalorian concept and pitch came across her desk in the midst of hundreds of other pitches, she saw and recognized in that Mandalorian pitch the potential that that show had. Whereas, admittedly, a lot of other there could have been a lot of other people who would be, who would have been head of Lucasfilm that maybe would have passed on Mandalorian. Nobody would have passed on Mandalorian. Oh, you're damn right they would have. You know how many studios passed on Star Wars before Fox agreed to make it? I think there's a lot of people who could have been in Kathy Kennedy's chair that would have passed on Mandalorian. A Western about a Mandalorian who's not even Boba Fett. Come on now. That's not going to work. Thank you, Mr. What's your name? Favra? Favra? Thank you, Mr. Favra. But we're good. We'll call you if we need anything. I think a lot of people would have passed on it. That seems unbelievable now that we've seen it and we've seen how great it is. But Kathy Kennedy heard the pitch, immediately recognized the potential in it. And on top of that is the one who then said to John Favreau, I want you to do this and I want you to work with Dave Filoni. I want to give you Dave Filoni as your little Padawan because I think there is some real synergy here between what we've got in Clone Wars and Rebels and what this can be. And he understands our lore and I want you to work with uh, Dave Filoni. I want him to work for you on this. And that was Kathy Kennedy who did that. Uh, John Favreau tells the story himself that it was Kathy Kennedy's idea to do that. So if we're going to, when we start handing out our thanks, and I know it's going to hurt some people right in the butthole to do it, but you cannot give out a thank you list without including thank you, Kathy Kennedy. Let's give her the blame where she deserves blame. And there's a, a lot to go around, but we've got to give her the credit where credit is due. She recognized the potential in the pitch. 
She greenlit the series. She she hooked up uh, John Favreau to work with Dave Filoni on it, and then gave it her full support. Got them everything they needed, and she did what she does well. She then produced it really well. And so, yes, thank you, John Favreau. Thank you, Rick Famuyiwa. Thank you, Taika Waititi. Thank you, Dave Filoni. Thank you, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Thank you, Peyton Reed. Uh, thank you to all of you. But also, you got sorry. You you gotta say you gotta. Take a moment and say, and thank you, Kathy Kennedy. Without her, this wouldn't have happened. I know that hurts some people in the butt to say it, but you got to say it if we're going to be honest. Anyway, next up, uh, Nick Pop Rocky writes, Mando reviews with John and Ann have become the best part of my weekends. Thanks for giving more me more friendly faces to take the season two journey with. Well, thank you. It has seriously been a lot of fun for Ann and I to do this as well. And Ann and I are always looking for things we can do together, uh, which because we don't often have time for her to do anything with me on the show. So for us to be able to watch Mandalorian together and do these reviews together have been great. Thanks for coming along and letting us be a part of your weekend, Nick. All right. A. Cullen writes, uh, name's Anthony. Uh, missed opportunity, Gideon. You're finished, Mando. You can't defeat me, Mando. Oh, I know I can't, but he can. Enter Ezra riding towards the Imperial fleet on a pot of magic space wild. You know what? Not going to lie to you. I may have turned off my TV. I like Ezra. I like the Ezra character very, very much. But if Ezra Bridger, and I love Rebels, but I've, I always hated the space whales, man. If they, if, if we were watching Mandalorian and they're, they're trapped on the bridge and the dark troopers are trying to, are getting ready to bust through. And then they look out the window and, and we see a big army of space whales with Ezra Bridger riding them like a mighty steed. I think I might have turned the TV off. I'm not going to lie to you. Not going to lie to you. Not because it's Ezra, but because it was space whales. I think I might have turned the TV off, Anthony. All right, next up. Josh A. writes, uh, Luke looked like a cutscene from a video game. He really did. It did not. It was not a good look, Josh. Josh also writes, why is YouTubers deep fakes better than the pros? I, yeah. You got all the resources of Disney and Lucasfilm and how could you not make that look better? It's, it's a good question. I mean, I was at the end of the day, I got over it, but yeah, it, it is kind of weird that they couldn't make that look better. Uh, Madhu Vatten writes over under 50% Cobb Vanth returns for the book of Boba Fett. I'll go way over. You introduce him for a reason. And he's on Tatooine. And he had Mando's armor for a long time. Uh, so I'm not going to say it's 100%, but I will definitely take the over on that, Madhu. I will definitely take the over on that. All right, Josh A. writes, uh, I think Luke being cloaked was about minimalizing the CGI face shots. Uh, see also R2-D2 slash Grogu shots framed below Luke's neck like Superman and Shazam. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was definitely on purpose. Like, I don't think they were hiding his face before he came in the room to hide the CGI. I really think uh, Peyton Reed wanted to, even though we knew it was Luke, still leave a little bit of a question mark in our head about whether or not it was Luke. I think that was the main reason for that. Once he comes in the room and reveals himself, oh, you're damn right. A lot of those camera angle shot decisions to keep Luke's face out of it was intentional because, I mean, let's, I mean, I think I've got it here. Yeah. This... This just didn't look good. 
I mean, that that just did not look good. Not to mention, it didn't look all that much like Mark Hamill. I mean, it's enough. It's close enough that when you look at it, you can say, oh, yeah, that's Luke Skywalker. That's Luke Skywalker. Um, great. But it didn't even look all that much like him. And then the, the facial animation was terrible. But again... It's, it's one of those things where like, okay, I get it. To me, I just accept, my brain just accepted. The CGI on the face looks bad. I accept that. Now, let me just get back to enjoying what this is. And I was able to then get back to enjoying it. So both can be true at the same time. Uh, all right. So I think you're right, Josh. Next up, uh, Man Mountain Gherkin writes, uh, first two seasons have been about getting Baby Yoda to the Jedi with side adventures. Do you think Baby Yoda will cease to be an important important plot-wise? Well, let's put it this way. I don't think season three of The Mandalorian is going to be about Baby Yoda. Just like season two of Mandalorian wasn't about uh, Cara Dune. Season two wasn't about Bo-Katan. They played important roles, but the story wasn't about them. I have a feeling, and again, I'm just guessing and speculating that when we get into Mando season three, Baby Yoda is going to be an important character, but it won't be about him anymore. So that's my guess. Again, just guessing, though, just speculating from afar right now. All right, next up, Iconic Reactions writes, uh, I love the parallel between the father and son relationship with Mando and baby Yoda, both taking off the masks to see uh, their son with their own eyes. Um, yeah. Talking about with Vader. Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, I could, I could hear in the back of my head, Vader's words for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. And then it's like Hayden Christensen. How come you suddenly look like Hayden Christensen? You didn't look like him before. Uh, special editions joke. Anyway, uh, yeah, that that parallel was very clear, and it it, it hit me right here, and it, it it was especially meaningful. It was more meaningful to me that Baby Yoda was asking him to see his face, rather than just Mando going, "Hey, kid, I'm just going to let you see my face." It was Baby Yoda reached out and was was in his way, asking to see him, to see the real him. It wasn't that Mando wanted to show him; it's that Baby Yoda asked. And that Mando obliged. And to me, that was beautiful, man. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Josh A. writes, uh, Lucas is a revolutionary filmmaker and a world-building lore master. Favreau and Filoni cover both aspects in a way not seen in Star Wars since George. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. I, I Look, there's no, there's no denying. Mandalorian is one of the best things on TV in the world right now. And, and what, what John Favreau has done is amazing and fun and incredible but we also acknowledge and recognize that it's not shakespeare it's not game of thrones a lot of it was done was very simple fan service but used very well um a lot of it wasn't very deep but effective I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff in there that just made Mandalorian week in and week out. One of the things I looked, I mean, honestly, Thursday nights, because for me in California, it would drop at midnight. Thursday nights for me have become the last few months, the night I look forward to the most every week, right? And they absolutely delivered it. And uh, 
And it was great, and I enjoyed it on a great level. All right, next up, CoolSomeXD writes, um, Luke, you monster, at least let Mando visit Grogu. Well, I'm sure, that, listen, again, Luke never said you can't remember. Mando did say, I will see you again. And Luke didn't say, I'm sorry, that's not possible. They, they'll, they'll totally hook up again. They'll hook up again. Anthony R. writes, one, uh, one Skywalker was a slave once, helped enslave the galaxy, and instilled fear. The other Skywalker wanted freedom from his simple farm life, helped free the galaxy, and gave hope to the others. Poetic. Oh, man, no, seriously. There, when you get in, one of the best things about Star Wars, when I talk to people today, and there are a surprising amount of them, but there are some out there. When I talk to people today who don't really understand, like, I don't get it. Why is Star Wars such a big deal to so many people? One of the aspects of it is... The, the, the classic mythologies of it, it is those poetic connections. It is those grander scale motifs that have been used in classics from samurai films and Westerns and even older Greek mythology that are brought up and used in a science fiction setting and in a science fiction pro, uh, context. And in doing that, they're able to create a narrative that is compelling and speaks to the human condition and speaks to something that is totally brand new, yet oddly comfortingly familiar at the same time. And it is those types of connections, Anthony, that, that have run throughout Star Wars, at least the better parts of Star Wars, that have become really effective. And we talked about even some of those connecting to within other uh, notions within its own series. Vader wanting to look on his own son with his face, with his mask off. Din wanting to look at Yoda or baby Yoda wanting to look on him with his own face. Even within the same series, they call on these, these tropes that, that are timeless. And it's like these connections that you're just mentioning as well. I totally appreciate that. I think you're bang on the money with that. All right. Ahmed writes, I'm a bit confused with uh, timelines. If Luke got Grogu, then where was Grogu during the Skywalker saga? It seems a bit confusing how Star Wars, um, approaches their timeline during that as a whole happiest fan right now i actually didn't know it was luke until the reveal so the suspense was epic well i mean really ahmed it's it's not really confusing here at all remember during in the prequel era baby yoda was in the jedi temple and got snuck away we still don't know how he got out but he was snuck out before the purge of the jedi at the end of revenge of the sith and in that time, he's just been where he has been is a mystery. Well, like th through the years that covered his time in the Jedi Temple to the beginning of Star Wars A New Hope to the end of Return of the Jedi, where he has been since being snuck out of the Jedi Temple in the prequel eras to the end of the original trilogy, nobody knows. Until four years after the events of Return of the Jedi, a bounty hunter that everybody just knows as Mando while on a job comes across this baby Yoda character. And that is where we pick up with him. So it's, it's not really confusing. It is a blank spot right now that even the character themselves don't know. Even baby Yoda right now isn't sure where he has been, how he got out of the temple to kind of where we are now is a little bit of a blank page. Even as Ahsoka Tano was kind of mind communicating with them, that is a blank area. So it's a mystery, but it's not confusing. 
It's a mystery, but not confusing. But I, I can see why you're asking that, man. All right, next up. Um, Patrick Conway writes, I think the spear is way cooler than the Darksaber. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. The spear is nice. It's, it's just, but it's a long piece of metal. A very strong metal, but it's just a long piece of metal. The Darksaber is a lightsaber that is unique among all lightsabers with a lore connected to the history of Mandalore. And oh, man. I mean, I mean, that's cool that you like the, the spear is great. Yeah, but it's a metal stick. The dark sabers, the dark saber, man. All right. Adrian uh, Rosales writes X-Wing check. Green lightsaber check. Force hand waves check. Black cloak check. One black leather glove. It's Luke. Oh, yeah, I know. But again, it's like the moment the X-Wing showed up, it's Luke. The, the black, the black outfit. It's Luke. The glove on the hand. It's Luke. The green lightsaber. It's Luke. But but still. The way Peyton Reed directed the scenes, he made, he forced you, no pun intended, he forced you to consider the possibility that maybe this is all a misdirect. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not Luke and they're just making a, a think it's Luke, even though we know it's Luke. I mean, that's part of the brilliance of that whole scene, actually. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Augustine Boyas writes. I'm 35 years old and I cannot believe I started crying watching another grown man saying goodbye to a puppet. Uh, I know, right? Again, it was so brilliantly done. It was all in the execution and how they put the whole thing together that was moving and emotional and powerful and all that kind of stuff at the same time. It really was so well done, uh, 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 Augustine. And don't you feel bad about it, man, because I can guarantee you were not alone. I got so many tweets last night from other grown-ass men like us saying, I was crying. I was crying. Whether it's in joy at seeing Luke Skywalker wreck and shop or that emotional scene of Din saying goodbye to Grogu or whatever it was, a lot of emotion to be had, man. Don't you feel bad about that? All right. Samuel Chin writes, couldn't sleep last night. Happy I got to see him ignite the green one, uh, the green lightsaber one more time in Rex shop. Do you think he'll reappear or is this a one and done? Maybe very, very, very extremely sparingly. I personally, Samuel, I think that's exactly it. I, I personally think that we will see him pop up, but it will be rare and it'll always be in small spurts. I don't think we're about to see the adventures of Cara Dune and Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, or things like that. I think he may pop up in like maybe Mando season three. He brings Grogu for a visit or in Rangers of the New Republic. Maybe they have a communique with Jedi Master Luke Skywalker at some point. I, but I don't think it'll be a regular thing. And I think it's exactly like saying it'll be sparingly. It'll be rare. And that's what will keep it special when it happens. When you start doing it too much, it loses its specialness. When you keep it really rare and only once in a blue moon, that's what maintains its uniqueness. And that's how I think they're going to approach it. Again, I'm just guessing, though. All right. Patrick Conway writes. As someone who always thought Luke was quite lame, I will admit he was pretty badass in this scene. I guess like father like son. Hey man, and listen, that's the beautiful thing about Star Wars too. Is that we can all love Star Wars, but we love different aspects of it. To me, Luke Skywalker is the best character in all of Star Wars. But to you, you've always kind of thought the Luke character is lame, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, that was a that was some pretty badass stuff last night we saw Patrick, no doubt. All right, Ahmed writes. 
Will Star Wars mesh the characters from the Disney Plus shows to Rogue Squadron plus future films or likely to keep separate? Would love to see Grogu and Yoda interact. Well, no. I mean, remember, Yoda is is dead at this point, right? Yoda's dead. We could see Force Ghost Yoda, but you got to keep those timelines in, in thing. These Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Rangers of the New Republic all take place after the events of Return of the Jedi. Yoda dies in Return of the Jedi. So we're not going to see that kind of interaction. There might be some flashback stuff to the old Jedi Temple in the prequel era when baby Yoda was literally like an infant, like even younger than he is now. We might see some like flashback of that. But I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet on it. A rogue squadron apparently takes place after the events of Revenge of or uh, Rise of Skywalker. So that means we've got a good 25 years between the events of Mandalorian and when Rogue Squadron is going to happen. So I doubt we'll see some crossover there. But we're definitely going to see these shows. Book of Boba Fett, uh, Ahsoka Tano, Mandalorian Season 3, Rangers of the New Republic. We're going to see some crossover there. Uh, How that turns into or connects with all the other things other than being in the same galaxy? Don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right, next up. And by the way, guys, we've been going almost two and a half hours I did a two-hour show earlier today, so I've been talking for four and a half hours today. Uh, I'm just going to let you know, we are nowhere near finished, but my I'm, I'm just giving you guys the heads up. My, my, my voice, you might be able to hear it. My voice is starting to go. The throat's starting to hurt, so I don't know how much longer I've got in me here, but let's keep pushing through for now. Uh, Adrian Rosales writes, when they developed the TIE Fighters, they made it look so real, or deployed the TIE Fighters, they made it look so real, just like military fighter jets deploying from a battleship. Star Wars Top Gun. Oh, no, I loved that, right? It reminded me, actually, a little bit of Battlestar Galactica, the way the Vipers would get into their launch tubes and then fire out of the ship. It reminded me a little bit of that. I thought that was really cool. It's always neat when they bring a little bit of, as Robert would say, verisimilitude to those types of shots. And I agree. I thought that was great the way they would launch the TIE Fighters. I thought that was wonderful. All right. Adrian also writes, uh, this armor belongs to my father. Eyes rolled. Bo-Katan, you mean your donor? LOL. Yeah, that was actually, that was pretty, I actually enjoyed that, that exchange because it was highlighting again that the Mandalorians are aware of who Boba Fett is, the pretender, the clone. You know, all that that kind of thing. And the fact that she wasn't afraid to rub it into him a little bit. I thought that added texture to the scene. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I really like that. Belonged to my father. Yes, Boba Fett. We have heard you say many times that that armor belonged to your dad. We get it. You are the son of Jango Fett. We get it. Anyway, but I thought that was a really good exchange. Uh, Adrian also writes, uh, did they just kill off any potential to a Bo-Katan series? The Darksaber is now Din Jardin. No, I think what they did was they set it up that that is now Mandalorian Season 3. I, think, I, I don't think that a Bo-Katan series was in the cards. Bo-Katan is going to become an integral part to the Mandalorian, I believe. This opened up the door to Mandalorian Season 3. Mandalorian is now indebted to her for helping them rescue the child. And so she, although I guess they didn't need to go rescue her because Luke was going to find the child anyway and probably save the child himself. But um, he is indebted to Bo-Katan, and that's what we're going to get in Season 3. We'll see how this all kind of unfolds. Uh, Donald A. writes, Overall, I love the episode, but my God, that uncanny valley for Luke's DH, I, I know. Uh, I, we, we've talked about it a lot today. 
Uh, I was able to get over it and I'm fine with it. It didn't take away any of my joy, but I'm not going to be one of these people who's like, I like the episode, so I'm going to deny anything that was bad. No, no, it was, that was bad. That was some pretty bad Uncanny Valley. I, it didn't ruin it for me. It didn't take me out of it. I was still able to to just bask and soak in the glory of it anyway. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, Tall Dude 3231 writes, uh, big thanks, John, for giving us a space to talk about this. Uh, that was Luke from my childhood. And the one I wanted so bad for the sequels felt like a kid. I completely agree. Now, look, I'm good. Actually, I'm more than good. I was impressed with what they did with Luke in The Last Jedi. I thought it was narratively poignant and gutsy. And I really like what they did with them. I'm not going to lie. But it's not what I was wanting to see. What I wanted to see was what we saw last night. I, ah, uh, the joy that filled my heart when Luke started wrecking, shot, uh, wrecking shop on all of those dark troopers, man. It just cannot be put into words. And you're right. This, this is the Luke from my childhood. This was an aspect to Luke that I've wanted to see that we've never really had the chance to see unleashed on screen. And now we have. And I, I st my pulse is still racing about it now. And I watched this show, what, uh, 12, 18 hours ago. I watched the show 18 hours ago. My, my, my pulse is still up racing from it, man. I cannot believe it. All right. Uh, Timothy Platt writes, uh, and Sasha Banks hits Boba Fett with uh, the tornado DDT. What's this? Good God almighty. It's Bo-Katan with a steel chair. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of WWE going on in that show. And that's it. And again, I have very little doubt. Had that fight not been stopped, you end up with a dead Sasha Banks character. But I, I take no issue at all that a trained military, uh, true Mandalorian warrior that fights alongside Bo-Katan and was one of Bo-Katan's honor guard, that she would get in a few shots on a beat up, weathered, Still shaking the rust off uh, uh, Boba Fett. I have no problem that she was able to get in some shots. That, to me, makes sense. She wasn't some pushover. Bo-Katan was the leader of the Mandalorian, and the Sasha Banks character is one of her best warriors. Of course she's going to get in some shots. I have no problem with that. But yeah, it was it got some wrestling aspect in there, no doubt. For those of you who may not know, Sasha Banks, the girl who plays Bo-Katan's right-hand Mandalorian... She is a professional wrestler in the WWE, just for those of you who may not have known. All right, Ryan Loner writes, I imagine Favreau now shouting at the last Jedi haters like Barry Levinson from High Anxiety. Happy now? Happy? Happy now? <laughs> yeah, I can totally see. That is totally something John Favreau would do as well. There's no doubt about it. By the way, John Favreau, very close personal friend of Ryan Johnson. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Man Mountain Gherkin 23 writes, one of the things I love most about uh, the Mandalorian is that they don't make Mando look weak to make newcomers look badass. Uh, Mando's badassery remains firmly intact. He is more impressive now. Yes, but at the same time, it, they find they do the balance, right? They find that balance. This is one of the things that I like to say about the Tom Cruise character in Mission Impossible. Like in the, in the most recent Mission Impossible, yeah, he's a big badass, but he'll also come across people who will whip him. 
Like that one scene in Mission Impossible where it's him and Henry Cavill and they're in that bathroom fight fight scene against the Asian dude and the Asian dude is handing them their asses and just beating the crap out of them, right? So I love it when they can be badass, but they don't make them out to be invincible. Like Mando had to be saved from the rhino monster by Baby Yoda. He had to get kind of lucky against that dark trooper. He can be beat. He can be in trouble. He had to be saved by Bo-Katan when the uh, the the pirate sailors were going to drown him. Like so, they make him badass, but they also make it that he can be he's mortal. He can be beat, and I like that they always mix that and found a nice little balance with that. Man Mountain. Uh, Adrian writes. Rogue One hallway scene equals Luke hallway scene. Like father, like son, the force crushed all oh, the force. See, that's, I was giddy, right? I was completely giddy watching Luke just wrecking all these dark troopers. Loved it. Was eating it all up. But the cherry on top, I was so, I mean, easily Luke had just had one force trooper, dark trooper left. Could have just taken his lightsaber. Okay, now you're done. But he didn't. He, th- he wanted to strut. Luke wanted a little Ric Flair strut, styling and profiling. He wanted to flex a little bit when, and just crush the guy like a car. I loved it, man. I ate that up. David Tapia writes, we have Fett, Andor, and Obi-Wan all in various states of production. So since Mando season three hasn't begun shooting yet, can they still be released on Christmas Day in 2021? I, I don't know. I honestly, at this point, I have no idea what their release plans are. Uh, will they release Mandalorian season three prior to the book of Boba Fett? Will they have it come out after the book of Boba Fett? I have no idea. Do they just skip a year? I mean, they're saying they're going into production pretty quick, but I mean, maybe they skip a year. Maybe they say 2021 is going to be the book of Boba Fett. And then 2022, we get Mandalorian season three. I don't think that's what they're doing, but that's a possibility too. There's still a little bit. That's a little bit unknown. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out a little bit later on. All right. Uh, tens, Tenzir 13 writes, I cried a little with uh, Din, can convey so much emotion with just his words, but when he lets Grogu and others see his face, it hits me in the feels. Again, there was something so... They could have done it, and I think it would have been a little bit more cheesy if Din decided, I want you, Baby Yoda, to see my face so you remember me. I To me, it was more impactful that y- Baby Yoda... Grogu is the one who asked. And that despite his hard and fast rule, he was going to take off his helmet. There's just something about that that makes it even more special to me. And, and I absolutely love that, uh, Tenzir. Thanks for writing that in. All right, Sam Fisher writes, I, I effing loved it. Now we know why there was no uh, Boba Fett announcement at Investor Day. Absolutely. That had to be a big surprise. Uh uh, it was uh, in that post credit scene. Will it run concurrently with Mando season three or is it going to be Mando? Se- I, yeah, from what I understand, it's not going to be Mandalorian season three. It is not in and of itself going to be Mandalorian season three. There is going to be a book of Boba Fett and there's going to be a Mandalorian season three. Will I, So they will run concurrently, but in what order will they air? When does Mandalorian season three actually come out? All that kind of stuff that I don't know. There's still a lot of unanswered questions right now, which I'm sure we will find. I'm sure Deadline and Variety and all of them will find out very quickly and we'll find out soon enough. But for now, it's still a little bit of a question, uh, Sam. But I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And think, by the way, can I just throw out there right now? How much better is it now this year 
that instead of last year where we got Mandalorian season one and the season one finale happens and we're on this high and then nothing, nothing from Disney plus again for another year. This year is different. We get Mandalorian season two. We get off the high of Mandalorian season two finale. And what do we got in just a few weeks, guys, we've got WandaVision starting. And then once that's done, we're going to be getting Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then after that's done, we're going to be in this. Like, it's going to be such a better year this year than it was last year for us Disney Plus subscribers. So cannot wait. All right, next up. Sam Fisher writes, uh, didn't love the CGI Luke. I don't think any of us did. It kind of pulled me out of the episode, though it was definitely better than the CGI of Tarkin for more. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I thought the CGI on Tarkin looked much better. The CGI Tarkin wasn't perfect, but I thought it was much better, much better for me. Now, of course, the Luke one also had an advantage. Luke literally didn't even move while he was talking. When the camera was on his face, he was not moving. Right? They didn't move him at all. Tarkin had to be a fully functioning character, moving in and out of other characters, like being expressive and moving around, right? And I still thought they did a better job, but that's just me, Sam. That's just my opinion. You felt a little bit differently, and that's okay. All right, next up, Call of Duty God sends in a $20 tip. Thank you so much, Call of Duty God. Appreciate that, man. Call of Duty God writes, John, I'm 50 years old. And when I saw the X-Wing and glove and green lightsaber and, and the aftermath of the rampage of glorious destruction by Luke Skywalker, I did cry and it was worth it. It was absolutely amazing. Dude, you just express exactly how I felt. To, to first of all, just seeing the X-Wing show up, we knew. I mean, not 100%, not 100% yet, but that moment we saw a single X-Wing Flying into camera, we knew it's Luke Skywalker. Wasn't 100% sure, but we knew. And then we see the dark black cloaked figure that we all recognize so much from Return of the Jedi, and we knew. Not 100%, but we knew. Then with further confirmation of the glove, we knew. More confirmation, and the, and the anticipation builds. But... The anticipation can only build because Peyton Reed wasn't letting us 100% know. There was still that tiny room, a tiny bit of room that maybe that's a different character. Despite the X-Wing, despite the, the, the dark cloak, despite the, the, the gloved hand, there's because there was that little tiny piece of doubt, it allowed the anticipation to build. And then we see the green lightsaber. We knew. But still, until they show his face, there's that tiny bit of doubt. And that bit of doubt allows the anticipation to build even more till we get to the climax and sploosh. It's Luke Skywalker. And we all freak out. And we saw him wrecking shop and crushing the... Oh! Dude, it's incredible. It's, it, 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 it almost, it's hard to put into words the feeling that we as grown-ass men and women are instantly reverted to our child state and just the joy and the wonder of what star Wars can be blew my mind, man. Absolutely blew my mind. I'm so thank you so much. Call of duty. God for sharing your, that personal experience, because I think a lot, I think it resonates with a lot of us, man. I think it resonates with a hell of a lot of us. All right, let's move on here. Uh, 
Tenzir 13 writes, and the hallway scene, Luke has never been more badass, reminds me of Papa Vader. He'd be so proud of his son and CGI de-aged of uh, <laughs> CGI de-aged R2-D2 looked amazing. Yeah, it's amazing how young they made R2-D2 look. And by the way, just that whole thing of having R2 come out last, it's like they knew to pace it out. Hint Luke. Show the destruction. Show Luke's face. Have that momentary thing. And then have R2 come in. They didn't just throw it all out there at once. They just little bit by little bit trickled out all this goodness. And which made the R2 part all the more wonderful when R2 comes around there, right? I, I can't remember the last time I had been so happy seeing R2-D2. It was just absolutely great. All right. Sam Fisher writes, I also think Din taking off his helmet would have been more powerful if he didn't do it last episode. Do you agree? Huh? You know what? Maybe I hadn't thought about that, Sam, but that's not a bad observation. The, the thing is to me, Din, it was so powerful. Din taking off his helmet in the last episode, because we know that he'll kill people to keep that oath about keeping his mask on all the time for him to voluntarily take it off around other people because it's his only choice to try to save this kid. To me, that was a powerful moment in and of itself. Would it have been in this episode more powerful him taking off his helmet for baby Yoda? Had he not done it last episode? Yes. But would I trade off that little bit more powerful right now to lose that powerful scene from the last episode? No, I wouldn't have traded it off. That that moment to me was too powerful in the last episode. In the last episode, in the that's a cross between an episode and a scene. An episode. I'm sorry, guys. I've been talking for over four and a half hours today. Um, I would not have traded that last powerful, powerful scene in that last episode. No way, I would have given that up. Yes, it would have made this scene a little bit more powerful, but I would not have made that trade. Uh, again, I, I just think, and maybe I'm alone in this, I just thought that him making that decision that I'm going to take off my helmet because I need to to try to find this kid, to me, that was very, very powerful. And I would say, without that scene demonstrating for us as the audience just how attached he was to the kid, it would have made this scene a little bit less powerful because now we know how much affection he has for this kid and him taking off the mask now as the expression of that affection was even more powerful. So I don't know. It's just not a trade-off I would have been willing to make Sam, even though I think you're right. All right. Sam also writes, I couldn't tell, but did the dark trooper dent Din's helmet? I don't think he did. I, I mean, I wasn't really, I didn't know for sure. Uh, but I, I don't think the Beskar even dented. I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Beskar, I, I'll have to go back and watch it again, but, and I will later tonight. I'll watch, me and Andrew are going to watch it again tonight, but I don't think he even dented it. Uh, Steven uh, Riddiker writes, uh, this episode sold me, put Favreau Filoni in charge of Lucasfilm ASAP. Well, I don't think Filoni should know. I don't think, Filoni is not an executive. Favreau is an executive. Filoni still has a lot of learning to do. I mean, listen, Filoni himself said in the last season of, of Mandalorian during the behind the scenes documentary, he said, being on a live action set, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how to do this. This is all new to him. He 
is a storyteller and a very good storyteller, but he's not an executive. He's not even a great live action director yet, but he's getting there. His, his improvement from this season to last season was amazing. Uh, Filoni should not be. There's nothing. It's kind of like the Kathy Kennedy thing. Just because Kathy Kennedy is like one of the greatest producers of all time, that doesn't necessarily mean she's a great executive to run the studio. Just because Dave Filoni has done a pretty good job with his storytelling here, does that mean he should be in an executive position running a company? Um, John Favreau, on the other hand, he's kind of been demonstrating that he is. He is an executive. and um, But I still think, while I'm all for John Favreau becoming the next head of Disney, of uh, Lucasfilm, I still think there's probably a good chance it's going to be like a Kevin Feige situation. I think the next head of Lucasfilm may be somebody we've never even heard of, which is, might be a good thing. Because when Kevin Feige first took over the Marvel job, who, who amongst average film fans had ever heard of Kevin Feige? Nobody. Nobody had ever heard of him. Because they're not looking for just necessarily a great director to run it. They're looking for a great executive who knows how to run an enterprise, right? And that's not Dave Filoni, but it may very well be uh, John Favreau. So I don't know. We'll see how things go. All right, next up, uh, Tanzir writes, I can watch a series just on Boba Fett and Bo-Katan and their interactions. Mandalorian lethal weapon, Mandalorian vice. I know. I love that scene, man. Seriously. That whole thing when... Again, just her dropping that one line, don't you mean your donor? That one line said so much. It said so much about the series and about our understanding of the universe and how we understand how uh, uh, Boba Fett fits into the whole Mandalorian culture. It just said so much and I'm down with it, but, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to Mando and, or, uh, uh, Boba Fett and Fennec. I'm looking to that book of Boba Fett, man. That scene of him sitting on the throne. Come on now. That was so good. Uh, Samuel Shin writes also the de-aging team on the MCU films need to work with Mando team for any future de-aging stuff. Think, I don't even think that was de-aging. I don't like, I don't know. I could be wrong about this. That was, I don't think that was Mark Hamill. I don't think that was Mark Hamill actually there. I think that was all CGI. I don't, I don't think that was de-aging. I think that was CGI. Now, I could be mistaken about that. I'll have to look into it. But uh, I don't think that was Mark Hamill on set. I could be wrong about that. Maybe somebody has heard otherwise. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that was actually Mark Hamill on set at all. So we'll have to see. All right, next up. Uh, Nick, but you're right. You look at what they did with Michael Douglas for the de-aging in Ant-Man, that was incredible. Not perfect. We could tell it was de-aged, but still looked a lot better than this Luke did. No doubt about it. Uh, Nick Sonic writes, in all honesty, I hope Grogu doesn't come back. I love the character, but I think it's time to move on and focus back to Mando and his journey. Thoughts? No, I, I disagree. Listen, we may not want to admit this, but the truth of it is this. Mandalorian became an overnight global sensation because of Baby Yoda. Sorry, it's true. Actually, you know what? Rob and I were having a great discussion today uh, off camera about the toys and merchandising. What do you think is the number one selling toy in the world right now? It's Baby Yoda. 
It ain't action figures of Din. It ain't action figures of Boba Fett, although those have gone up since he's appeared in the show. The number one selling toy in that universe right now is Baby Yoda by a mile. When Baby Yoda showed up at the end of episode one of Mandalorian, that is when Mandalorian became a global phenomenon. There's just no separating that. And that's why I believe, now I could be wrong. I, I, listen, I, I don't know this. This is just me and my speculation. But I just don't think there's any way they do not have Baby Yoda back. Again, the, I don't think Mandalorian season three will be about Baby Yoda like it was for season one and season two. The story was literally about Baby Yoda. I don't think season three will be about Baby Yoda, but I still think Bobby, Baby Yoda will be there. It's just it just sells the show for too many people like they didn't have baby Yoda in last week's episode. And what was the biggest thing everybody was talking about? There was no baby Yoda in this episode. There was no, and there are people panicking all over the world. Where was baby Yoda? They didn't even show us baby Yoda. How dare they not show us baby Yoda? And there were people freaking out all over the world. So I, I think he'll be back. But again, what I will agree with Nick is that you don't make it about Grogu now. Don't make it like Taken 2 and Taken 3 where Mando's got to come and save baby Grogu again. No, 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 no. Don't make it about him, but just make him a part of it. And I think I think that's what, what they'll do. Don't know for sure, but that's what I think they'll do. All right. Tristan Brown writes, John, you finally got what you've been waiting for since The Last Jedi. Luke Skywalker with the green lightsaber wrecking fools. Dude, I am telling you, if there was a thermometer that could measure joy. If there was some kind of thermometer that could actually physically manifest, measure out joy, it would have busted the thermometer last night. I was so happy. I was so happy. Uh, it's, it is hard for me, and I'm exhausted right now, but it is hard for me to put into words just how crazy excited and happy it made me. But man, did it ever make me happy. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled, Tristan. Absolutely thrilled. Thanks for, for asking that. All right, Charles... Uh, Grindstaff writes, I wanted the series to end with a time skip in a bar with a two with a two foot tall Mando with big ears walking in credits roll. Yeah, like a little Mandalorian with the helmet on, but it's Yoda sized. No, I'm glad they didn't do that. But I'll be honest with you, man. I wouldn't have hated it if they did. If they had ended it flash forward in time to show like an adult baby Yoda, but now he's the Mandalorian bounty hunter. I wouldn't have hated that. I think what they did was better, but I wouldn't have hated that, Charles. I, I'm with you on that. All right. Joseph Wilson writes, hey, John, two issues. How did Luke know where they were on Moff Gideon's cruiser? And how did he find it? I guess he also scanned his face on uh, on that machine. <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, I think what it was is once, this is my guess. If I'm a Star Wars writer, this is how I'm writing it. Once Baby Yoda sent out that signal, Luke identified him. And once Luke identified him, he could find him anywhere in the galaxy. He could feel him in the force. He knew exactly where he was. And at least if I'm a writer of Star Wars, that's how I'm writing it. That that signal went out, created the connection. And once that connection was made, there was nothing that could have prevented Luke Skywalker from finding him. That's my guess. Remember, we're not talking about an app, some bounty hunter trying to follow him. This is Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. 
So that's how my guess would be that they would do it. Again, that's only if I was writing it. Maybe they'll say it's some other explanation. But to me, once they connect, they made that connection, it was done. And he was going to be able to find him anywhere in the galaxy at that point. That's how I would write it at any rate. Sorry, guys, you're hearing it in my voice. My voice is really starting to go. I'm going to keep pushing as much as I can here. Uh, Vince Carter of Mars. I love that name, right? The second the X-Wing appeared, I started screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And my girlfriend asked why I suddenly turned into a 10-year-old. Dude, I think that was a phenomenon, Vince, that was happening all across the world last night or early this morning, wherever and whenever you watched it. That there, there are there are women and men. Let's let's not let's make sure it's. But I, I think there are a lot of women to be specific, because a lot of us men have a hard time outgrowing our inner child. Um, a lot of women looking at their men, going, "When did you suddenly become five years old again?" As I'm up jumping up and down, I'm like, "Couch doing this? Oh my god, his Luke's axe swing!" And even to the point that I was still doing, it's like, "It's Bib Fortuna." Why was I getting so excited for Bib Fortuna? I don't know. It was just another thing to add on top of the pile. But I think you just described the experience of a lot of us, Vince, and I'm glad you enjoyed it that much, man. All right, next up. Dark Jedi writes, Sasha Banks not only traded barbs, but fists with Boba Fett to a draw. She truly is the boss. Well, I I don't know. The fight was never allowed to, to, to come to its conclusion. Again, I feel like the, had the fight drawn out to its conclusion, you would have seen Boba Fett prevail. But again, remember, this is a Boba Fett that has just got his armor back. He'd been on the belly of the Sarlacc. Who knows how long he had just been wandering through the desert just trying to find his armor. Meanwhile, he's going up against a trained elite of the elite Mandalorian warrior. If she is Bo-Katan's right hand, that Sasha Banks character is amongst the elite of the elite of trained lethal Mandalorian warriors. So she wasn't some skid just some random Mando that got picked up off a street corner somewhere. This was the elite of the elite. So I got, I got no issues that she was able to get in some shots on old, on old Boba. No issue with that at all for me myself. All right. K major writes Grogu survived order 66. Kylo's decimation wasn't close to that level. Grogu survived the destruction of Luke's new order. Show me Jedi Knight Grogu. Again, that creates a bunch of, of again, canon problems, Right. There is no mention of Grogu in any of the other material. Somehow, someway, Grogu gets removed off the board. That doesn't necessarily mean he was killed in Kylo's Purge. That doesn't necessarily mean he became a Knight of Ren. But somehow, if you want to stay, if they even want to pretend to be somewhat staying close to canon, at some point, Grogu has to be, as a chess piece, removed off the board entirely. How are they going to do that? What approach are they going to take? None of that do I know. But I don't think we get to a fully fledged Jedi Knight Grogu because that's just too contradictory to so many other things that we know about the Star Wars universe. At some point, he gets taken off the board. How, where, when, and why? These are all questions that still have to be answered. So we'll find out soon enough, though. All right. Uh, a uh, Anurag P writes, uh, that scene with Luke was everything I wanted to see in the sequel trilogy and finally getting to see it literally almost brought tears to my eyes. And listen, man, you're not alone. We've already been hearing from a lot of people today saying it literally did bring actual literal tears to their eyes. 
actual tears, man tears across the world, all the world unified, holding hands, crying to Luke Skywalker wrecking shop of some fools. It's the great unifier. It's bringing Republicans and Democrats together, holding hands, celebrating Luke Skywalker wrecking some fools. It's, it's a great unifier, man. It's a great unifier. All right. Ben Rayner writes, maybe bad CGI reason is COVID. Uh, maybe couldn't finish uh, in studio was too tricky. Nah, because a lot of visual effects, visual effects is one of those things that can be done remotely. So that's not a thing. The visual effects are still done by teams of people that can just be working at home remotely. So, no, I, I, the COVID is no excuse for this one. This was just a bad job. In the midst of a terrific episode that everything else is fantastic, the one negative thing was, uh, and we got to call it on it. If we're going to give it its praise, we got to call it on the stuff that was weak. That was weak. And COVID's not an excuse for it, unfortunately. All right. Samuel Chin writes, I love the green saber and his black robe. To me, it symbolized his growth from a whiny farm boy craving adventure to a full-fledged Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we really saw that. To me, we saw that manifestation, that metamorphosis in the th- Emperor's throne room when he finally, when that moment he, that he th- he faced his when Luke faced his come to Jesus moment, where the Emperor's like, "Good, strike your father down and take his place at my side." And, and he could have killed his father, and his dad is sitting there with his hand cut off and breathing heavy. That true metamorphosis happened in that moment when he threw his lightsaber aside and said, "You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi like my father." Like that to me was the moment he transformed. There was growth throughout all the movies, but that was the moment that he came out of the chrysalis. And the metamorphosis was complete, and he was now Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. And we see an extension of that even develop further when he shows up. That very confident, again, a little bit of Jedi smugness, uh, very self-assured uh, Luke Skywalker that we got to see Rex and Fools, and it was really good to see. Samuel Chin writes, I love the green saber. Oh, oh uh, that was, he liked it so much. He repeated it twice. Thanks for that, Samuel. Boy named Sue four writes, sniff. I'm not crying. You're crying uh, again, man. I think that was a lot of grown men, dude. A lot of grown men and women across the, the world last night. Uh, Malashi Smith writes, I kind of feel a Danny and John vibe from game of Thrones with Din and Bo. Uh, but was I the only one more excited to see R2 than Luke? See, here's again, I, I, I don't, I don't know. There could be, listen, they could definitely get romance between Din and uh, Bo-Katan. That could easily turn into a romance. Absolutely. Whether they do go that way, I'm not sure. But the R2 thing for me was, again, it was that, it was the summation of the buildup. We were getting big hit after big hit. And then it just kind of the cherry on top is R2 there. So I don't blame you, man, for that. I was super excited to see R2 as well. Way more excited than I thought of would have been. I would have been seeing R2-D2. Like way more excited. All right. Next up, uh, Operation Spider Rights. Uh, I was low-key hoping for Sebastian Stan. Well, I, I, again, I don't understand this obsession. With, I, I'll just be frank with you. I do not understand this obsession with Sebastian Stan. I don't. He looks like a, I get it, but that's not why you cast somebody, at least not to me. Um, but hey, I like Sebastian Stan. I've met Sebastian Stan. I've, I've had him in my studio before. Uh, he's a great guy. I very much like Sebastian Stan. I just don't get why everybody wishes it, it had to be that one actor. It's like when everybody thought that um, 
Billy Zane should have played. Do you guys remember this? Before Man of Steel was made, and they were talking about a new Superman movies coming, everybody in the world was like, Billy Zane should be Lex Luthor. Why? Because he had just done some movie, Billy Zane had just done some movie where he had a shaved head. So, see, he should be Lex Luthor. He should, Billy Zane should be Lex Luthor. And I never understood that. But again, I mean, I like I, I like Sebastian Stan very much. I just don't understand why everybody's so obsessed with this guy be Sebastian Stan. Anyway, uh, Empire Fan 1980 writes, how many years has it been after the Battle of Jakku? Isn't Ben Solo been born already? This, uh, I don't think Ben would have been born yet. No, I don't think Ben would have been born yet. This all happens um, for, I believe they said Mandalorian season one starts three to four years I may be off by six months or a year, but roughly Mandalorian season one takes place three to four years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So I don't think necessarily Kylo Ren has even been born yet. Uh, it, it'll be close, but yeah, I'm going to go with I bet he wasn't born yet. If not yet, then probably pretty soon. Then probably pretty soon. All right. King Roman writes uh, one of two. Hi, John and Anne. Well, Anne's not here anymore, unfortunately. Uh, I sent in the final super chat on last week's recap about the emotional impact on Mando taking off his helmet to Grogu. Um, and I don't know where part two is. Okay, there it is. Uh, you both agreed that it would be a good emotional scene, but didn't know if it would fit narrative-wise. My question is, do you think it worked? Well, again, I think at the time, the context we were talking about was like, him coming at the time, what you were talking about was him going into the prison where he was being held and taking off the mask to assure him. Right. And I don't think it would have worked in that context. This was different. And, and I absolutely 100% King Roman think it absolutely did work. It was absolutely beautiful and moving and the way they did it. It's all about the setup. It's all about the setup. All right. Thanks for writing that in, King. All right. Josh A. writes, Din giving off Aragorn, Aragorn vibes, future Mando Mandalorian leader. It's possible, but I don't think so. Bo-Katan is meant to be the leader of Mandalore. I don't think Din is. But this is definitely going to be a problem. This whole suddenly made up thing about the Darksaber has to be won in a fight. Whatever. We'll see how they explain that. Uh, that's going to be a, a wrench in it, but I, I still think it's going to be Bo-Katan. Uh, Shadow Ninja writes, I feel like the bar scene showed why she didn't take it. It seems they weren't united with Bo before, before, maybe because some clans felt she didn't earn it. I mean, they could say that, but that was never hinted at in any of the other Star Wars stuff before. Like it literally, when she takes the Darksaber in Rebels, it was a non-issue for anybody. Like nobody so much has raised the slightest bit of concern. If it was truly that big of a deal, you would have thought it would at least have been mentioned, right? Like at least mentioned, but it wasn't even so brought up as the slightest concern. Sorry, my throat's going. It wasn't even brought up as the slightest concern at the time. So, I mean, maybe that's the way they write around it. Shadow Ninja. I'm not sure. But they're going to have to find some way because it in no way was a, the slightest problem before. And all of a sudden now it's it means the world. Like I even on the bridge on an enemy ship, I can't even touch it. 
You had no problem with it before, even remotely. And nobody else around you had a problem with it either. So why is this such a big deal now? Eh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how they figure out a way around that. Uh, Karen Potts writes and sends in $25. Thank you so much, Karen, for supporting the channel on that level. Really appreciate that very much. Uh, the new way they use swear words now is so great. Also, I can't wait to see what happens with the Darksaber. Yeah, uh, listen, that is all Mando Season 3. And yes, the way they kind of incorporate swear words, it reminds me again a lot of Battlestar... It reminds me a lot again of Battlestar Galactica when they used uh, frack, right? Frack became the new big word that every That was their big swear word, right? Frack or something, something along those lines. You see them incorporating a little bit of that into uh, into Mandalorian as well, which I thought was like just premium and choice. And listen, obviously, Mandalorian season three is going to really expand the show um, because now the stakes are even higher. Now the scope is even broader. Now you have Din going with Bo-Katan to help her retake their homeworld, to retake Mandalore. This is going to be big. This is going to be, a, I think, a very big, ambitious step forward for the Mandalorian series. And, and the, the, the way they're, the, the Darksaber is going to become the center of all that. Absolutely, Karam. It's going to be huge. I cannot wait. I'm excited to see where they go with this. And <clears throat> I'm excited to see where they go with this. And it's going to be really, really intense and awesome to see how they do it. All right. Uh, Jake Walsh writes, Did R2 and Grogu recognize each other from the temple? I don't think so. I uh, can't remember if R2's memory got wiped. Also, do you think the next season is going to be Bo and Mando fighting for the throne of Mandalore? Nah, I, I don't see. Look, the the um, the issue that is now caused with, you know, how does Bo-Katan get the lightsaber from Din? That's going to become an issue. But we're not about to see Bo-Katan become the villain of the series and Mando the hero. And they, the show's going to be about them fighting each other. It's going to be about them taking back Mandalore together. Now, at some point, they're going to have to address the elephant in the room about how she gets that Darksaber back from him. That's going to become a plot point for sure. But I don't think the show is going to be about, you know, Din versus Bo-Katan. I don't think that's, a, that's what this is going to be. I think it'll be, we're doing this together, but it's always around. At some point, it's going to have to come down to you and me. At some point, we got to resolve this thing about the Darksaber. Din has no desire to be the leader of Mandalore. Bo-Katan is the leader of Mandalore. She's the rightful holder of the Darksaber, and they will figure this out. And it'll be a part of the show, but it won't be the basis of the show. You know what I mean? At least that's my guess, Jake. That is my guess. All right. Adrian Rosales writes, and sends in $20 to be supportive. Thank you so much, Adrian, for supporting the channel on that level, man. We really appreciate that, man. Um, Adrian writes, congrats on your new home. Thank you, Ann and I just bought a house. We got our keys yesterday. So we move in six weeks. We're very excited. Uh, wishing you guys the best. Happy holidays, John and Ann. Thank you for all you do. I really enjoyed these Mandalorian shows with you two, and we have loved doing it. It's been so much fun for just for Ann and I together to do this stuff. But it's also been really, really cool to just have one show a week that we all just get to geek out together, <laughs> like just completely geek out about our love for this show. So that's been really great. So thank you, Adrian, for coming along with us on the ride, man. And, and thank you for supporting the channel at the same time. Appreciate that. 
Okay, uh, Andy Newton just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you so much, Andy. Really appreciate that, man. Um, uh, King Roman, we already got to King Roman's second chat. Suthius writes, isn't Sasha Banks and Duty McDo dude a porno? <laughs> it does sound like the name of a porno, doesn't it? Sasha Banks and Duty McDo dude. The, you know, the guy, the other Mandalorian who was in the other episode, but suddenly disappeared this one. I hope at some point they kind of explained where he suddenly magically went. Uh, Andy Newton writes, Kathleen Kennedy, so they don't love Star Wars anymore. Hold my effing beer. <laughs> I know, right? Listen, full again, I hold Kathy Kennedy responsible for a lot of stuff. Rightfully so. But you got to give credit where it's due. Um, if it were not for Kathy Kennedy, doesn't matter how much John Favreau wanted to make this show. If it wasn't for Kathy Kennedy, we never would have had Mandalorian. Sorry. That's not a matter of opinion. That is a fact. If it were not for Kathy Kennedy, we wouldn't have Mandalorian. Favreau came up with the concept and the idea, and he wanted to do it, but there were hundreds of filmmakers who had ideas and wanted to do their ideas. Kathy Kennedy recognized the potential in this, and she greenlit it, and she had the foresight to pair him up with Dave Filoni at the same time. It was a great move. She hasn't had a lot of great moves, but it was a great move. And uh, yeah, hey, listen, this one was a win for her. Mandalorian was definitely a win. Rise of Skywalker, or yeah, Rise of Skywalker, not so much. <laughs> but and and her lack of a plan for the overall sequel trilogy, not so much. Her inability to be on the same page with most of her directors, not so much. But you got to give credit where it's due. This one was a win for her. This one was a job well done. So we'll give her that credit. All right. Aaron Comer sends in $20 super chat. Thank you so much, Aaron, for supporting the channel on that level, man. Uh, John, Winter, John, Winter Soldier, I thought, played Luke last night. Remember, there was a rumor that he was going to go through heavy makeup and work with Hamill on The Voice, and Luke's bottom jaw looks more like Sebastian Sebastian than Hamill. Yeah, again, that was a totally... We said this at the time when those rumors started coming out. That was a totally fan-made-up rumor. There was no truth to it whatsoever. Um. And sorry, guys, I'm having a really hard time talking at this point. I've, I've now been talking for five hours today. Um, that was a totally made up rumor. And look, maybe it would have been best if they did get an actor, even if it was Sebastian Stan. It might have been best for them to do that at that point. Because, I mean, look, with a little bit of Photoshop and that image, those images that went around were a bit Photoshopped. But with a little bit of Photoshop work, Sebastian Stan looks very much like a younger Mark Hamill. So a little bit of CGI work, just a little bit of touch-up, could have made it look pretty convincing. But I think there are probably many actors, they've probably done a little bit of with makeup and a little bit of CGI um, alterations. Could have made a lot of different people. It might have been better for them just to have gone with an actor after seeing how bad the CGI worked out. What they do moving forward, I don't know. It, it, that part will remain a little bit of a mystery. Um, that long will, will probably take a little bit, will be a little bit of a mystery. But uh, but we'll see where they move forward from there. Thank you so much for that, Aaron Comer. All right, next up, Ahmed uh, writes, how many seasons of Mando do you think there will be? Sad Ahsoka is only one season. Well, okay, but remember this too. Big Little Lies with Nicole Kidman. That was also only supposed to be one season. That was a limited series. 
Will Ahsoka really just be one season? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably. But don't count it completely out yet. And who knows? Maybe Ahsoka dies. And, and maybe they do the Ahsoka series in such a way that it's like, yeah, this is perfect as one season and it should totally be ended after this. Maybe. Or maybe they change their mind. Again, all I'm saying is right now, whatever their intentions in the moment are, give them time to actually produce the show, then give them time to actually put the show out. And who knows? Who knows? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is who knows? Let's kind of wait and see. All right, next up, Jake Walsh writes, I think we will see Grogu maybe one time in season three. I think the show is moving to Mandalore, and honestly, that could be even cooler. Yeah, but I don't think there's any reason why... Look, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but also keep open the possibility and the option that Grogu, it can all take place on Mandalore and Grogu can still be there for most of the season. All right? Again, I'm not saying that's what will happen. I tend to kind of agree with you that it'll probably be one, two, or three episodes, but <clears throat> it's definitely on the table that Grogu is in the entire series or the entire season and it taking place on, um, on Mandalore. And there's a million different reasons they can come up with why that would be the case. So let's see what happens, Jake. Let's see what happens. All right, next up, Operation Spider writes, do you think Moff Gideon knows who Luke is? Oh, absolutely. 1,000% he knows who Luke is. I love Giancarlo's performance where Gideon shat his pants. Absolutely. First of all, I just loved uh, Giancarlo Esposito's entire performance as Moff Gideon. He made that character a great character in the show. And I loved his performance overall, but I 1000% Operation Spider believe that he and all senior members of the remaining empire know exactly who Luke Skywalker is because it's all over the galaxy, the, who the heroes of the rebellion were, right? And that's Luke Skywalker. And I, I'm sure he knows who that is. 100%. Andy Newton writes, uh, you get a stiffy, you get a stiffy. Everybody gets a stiffy. Uh, I'm telling you, man, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to PG it up for you. It moved <laughs> when we realized that X-Wing is Luke Skywalker's F-Wing, X-Wing. It moved. It got a little stiff. Not going to lie to you. Not going to sugarcoat it for the kiddies at home. It uh, got a little bit stiff there, Andy. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, Jord MCHG writes, I cried. <clears throat> I, cr I cried like a baby watching this, but heartwarming to cap off a crap 2020. Amen, brother. Uh, keep up the work, John. Been a fan since the AMC days. Jordan from Wales. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. And yeah, listen, that's the other nice thing, right? For those of us in the fan community, it's a little thing, but this is the power of movies and art and all that kind of stuff. There is no overstressing how much of a crap year this has been. This has been a shitty year. There's, there's no getting around it. Not that there hasn't been good things. There have. But it's overall been a really crappy year. For us as fans to get to the end of 2020 and have something that we can just celebrate and have fun over, something like Mandalorian, it's just, it's again, it's the power of of art. It's the power of these on-screen stories. It's the power of movies. It's the power of that. It's just the power of that, right? That just within that window of time, we just felt a little bit better. And being allowed to feel a little bit better for a short period of time can change our outlook on everything else. 
And that's the power of it. And that's why I love the movies. That's why I love storytelling, whether it's in streaming and on TV or in the movie theater. I love storytelling because it has the power to do stuff like that. And this was just another example of that. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for that. All right. Next up, uh, Dark Jedi Knight writes, Luke used a fusion of prequel and original trilogy fighting styles. Yeah, he actually really did. Uh, and I think the people making Snoke are a separate schism of the Empire and became the First Order. Yeah, listen, it was actually the formation of the First Order coming out of the remnants of the Empire was actually covered a little bit in one of the Leia novels. Um, yeah, it was one of the Leia novels that kind of began to touch on that whole thing that, that there is a connection there between how there was in it is indeed the remnants of the empire that morph into and goes through its own chrysalis and comes out as the first order and i think that is definitely shown here in in uh, mandalorian season two they absolutely showed those connections dark jedi knight 100 i think you're absolutely 100 on the money in that all right, guys, I, I physically can't keep going. So I'm going to answer two more, and then I'm going to have to do a companion video to this over the weekend. I, I'm sorry, guys. I really thought I'd be able to get through everything today, but we are three hours and 15 minutes in today's broadcast, and I did a two-hour show earlier today, so we're three hours and 15 minutes into me straight talking today, and I'm physically, I've gone, I'm actually in a lot of pain. I, I'm I, I physically can't do anymore, so I'm going to have to do a companion. We'll, we'll get through all the rest of the questions that you guys sent in here in a companion that we will put up this weekend. Absolutely. But I'm just physically unable to keep going. So I'm going to do these last two that are on screen right now. Ahmed writes, when Luke crushed that last dark trooper with the force using his hand, I went, oh, dude, it was just the, the best way to climax that. It was absolutely the best way to, because not only is he a lethal warrior with the lightsaber, they wanted to show this is Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, powerful in the Force. Not just a ninja with a lightsaber, powerful in the Force. And that was just a great way to end that entire sequence. Uh, Matt Tween, I love that that name, writes, See, CGI aside, it was still awesome seeing Luke back in real action. Oh, absolutely. No, listen, it was for somebody like me and maybe for a lot of other people, Luke Skywalker is our favorite Star Wars character, at least for me. Just to see Luke back in that era is euphoric. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to use the word euphoric. I, I loved it. I, I couldn't get enough of it. It was fantastic, and it was so good to see. And, you know, it was the way kind of Rob described it earlier. It brought out that inner child. And it took me right back to that feel, that feeling of awe and wonder you get with Star Wars. And it was really, really great to see. It was so great to see. All right, guys, listen. For all the remaining questions from the Grixer, Crazy is Relative, uh, Tanzir, Josh A., and others, uh, what I'm going to do, guys, I, I'm just, again, we've gone three hours. This has gone way longer than I thought we would have today. Um, I am physically incapable of, of continuing, unfortunately. Uh, so we will do a companion video to this this weekend. I'll have that up either up on Saturday or Sunday. Keep your eyes open for that. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions very, very much. I'm going to get to every single one of them. Uh, don't worry. It just, unfortunately, I can't do it here on this show right now. So my apologies that I can't get to, to them right now. But uh, 
but we will get to them this weekend. And so we will have a Mandalorian spoiler discussion part two coming up this weekend. Again, guys, deepest thanks to all of you guys for, for, uh, for being here. And let's for a second just take a moment to appreciate uh, how great this season has been. It's been a wonderful season. A lot of fan service, but in the best way. A lot of cheers, a lot of cool things. And uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful way. It's just like one of the most recent commenters said, a great way to end off 2020. Um, it fills my heart with joy. Cannot wait for the Acolyte. Cannot wait for... Uh, even I don't like Ahsoka Tano, and I'm like, I can't wait for Ahsoka Tano to come. Can't wait for Rangers of the New Republic. Can't wait for the Book of Boba Fett. Cannot wait for the Obi-Wan series. Cannot wait for Mandalorian Season 3. Cannot wait for Rogue Squadron. On and on and on. Just so much. And the Mandalorian Season 2 is just like the promise of what is to come. And uh, I'm super excited. Thank you guys for being here and being excited along with me. Again, we will get to the companion video this weekend. Uh, I'm out of it, guys. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank you so much, everybody. My name is John Campia. And until the companion video, my friends, this is the way. <laughs>